Happy New Year. Here at Mama Needs a Movie, we're celebrating the movies that mattered to us in 2023. Not as a ranked list, but as a discussion of the ones that stuck out to one or both of us during the last year. As always, this episode will feature some heavy spoilers, a little cursing, and more than a few tangents. From 2023, the movies of 2023. Anne, and I'm a mama. I'm Ryan, and I'm not a mama. And my number 10 movie is The no, Sound no. of Freedom. <laughs> you may have Jim Caviezel plays a vigilante hero who goes after. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Am I jumping is... in too soon? <laughs> <laughs> Don't give us your number one right away. Uh, this is Mama Needs a Movie. Um, yeah, Sound of Freedom is is probably the number one joke favorite movie of people that you and I know. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. a, it's a touchstone of like uh, the op the ironic favorite movie. Not a lot of people saw it that I remember, but I don't uh, think. Well, now that it's actually on uh, Amazon Prime, I think people will watch it, which is sort of problematic because I think they get like a scent every time you watch it. Yeah. Um, but I don't even know what the content of this movie is. I just know that, uh, I'm I'm worried about going to pizza places because they might steal my children. I think that's I think you nailed it. I think that's what the movie's about. Don't get pizza. It might result in your child being taken by Jerry Epstein. Uh, Jerry Epstein. That's all. That's the oh my god. That's that's the worst one. I'm afraid of. Wait until the well, Jerry Epstein affiliate. No, but see, uh, they, in the drops. Sound of Freedom, they talk about Jerry. Oh, Epstein. yeah, they would have to like invent a fake Epstein. Like this guy's called Jerry Epstein. He's t- he's really really bad. Like, we gotta go does after he him. sound Jewish? Good. Go with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, but on this episode, really, we're just gonna talk about the movies we saw this year. It's not like a listicle. Uh, it's not clickbait. It's just like we did see a lot of movies this year. Some of them were new movies. Most of them were new movies, but, um, you know, that we talked about on the show. But a lot of the episodes that we did this year, we're not talking about new movies. And I think as as avid movie watchers in every year, you're watching movies that just came out and you're watching movies that came out a while ago. So some of some of the movies that we're going to talk about in here are not new movies. It's more. It's the way the show always is, where it's uh, it's uh, just oh wait, I had a thought about something, and then we talk about that. It's not a list. Yeah, exactly. Now <laughs> we we wanted to figure out a way to do a year interview that wasn't a corny countdown or a ranking of like I actually think Oppenheimer is is two. It's it's one star better than a Barbie or whatever. You know, I think that it's. I think that's a fine way to kind of initiate a discussion about movies, but it's also a little bit. Like the award season and everything, it's a little childish, you know. Like maybe, maybe. Uh, okay, there's, you don't need you don't need to act like you don't like award season. Well, no, I don't. I don't actually like award. I think that you think that I like award season. I like all that stuff as a, as a conversation starter because I think that like it's much easier to say to someone, "Hey, what were your top five movies of the year?" than it is to say like, yeah. "What were some ineffable feelings that you had that were sparked by." lens based media or something, you know, um, yeah. I, so I understand why shows and critics and everything 
put things in list listicle form mm -hmm. but um that's maybe not the way that we uh that, that's i don't know i think there's more interesting ways to talk about yeah i mean but it's also you know it's it's fine it's all fine it's just that yeah. i don't think in i don't think in lists you know like when you go to the doctor and they have that little sign where they're like where are you on a scale of uh really super happy sign. face to, yes. to, yeah. to very sad face. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, uh, I'm just, anytime anyone asks me something like that, I'm like, I don't know. A six? Yeah. A four? I'm just like chronically incapable of naming like the top of, it's like, I don't know. Depends on who's feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Depends on what you feel that day. Really. Depends on yeah. what, how much you liked it, I guess. Like, yeah yeah i just i also just don't think those distinctions are real because this is a it's it's art so it is, what, it is. what you think of it is like that's not anyone that's your business it's that's really of, what it's it is the same I've, as pain it's like you're feeling it i guess it's bad i don't I've know i've never walked out of a really great movie saying like that that one's number two this year like it doesn't that's not a that's not a, an, an actual genuine human reaction to a great piece of art i feel like i feel like it's well unless it's, it's the last day of the year and you yes. liked it second to yeah. something else you already knew. Then I suppose it's yeah. possible. But but I, I don't know. Yeah. Right. So I want to nominate, though, uh, even though we're not doing lists, I want to say the most boring movie of the year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the most, the like, of, of professionally made, uh, capable filmmaking, the most boring movie of the year. Mm, I like this. Uh, yeah. You ready? Yeah. The Boys in the Boat. <laughs> It was you watched like, Boys in the Boat? I watched, okay, I was, I watched it and I got halfway through and I was like, I profoundly, it's like so structural. It's mm -hmm. like, there's a guy, he's having, you know, it's the depression. He doesn't have enough money to go to college. He literally has a hole in his shoe and uh, he has the most bleach blonde hair that's so distracting. And then... Uh, they're like, hey, do you want to try out for this this boat race? Mm -hmm. And then he this does. This crew, crew racing. Right, for yeah. the Olympics. And then they train really hard. And then there's no suspense about whether he's going to get to be part of this boat race. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a lot of like, it's just, it's, it's just so formulaic. It's, it's. And truly mind-boggling that you would make a movie like this uh, in this after this many years of movies <laughs> that you would choose to make this movie. I <laughs> You're found saying this many a, years of of the of the movie form existing that right, someone would approach like, it in this way. We've yeah. figured out this is George Clooney, by the way. George Clooney, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Who I think I have a personal theory that a lot of these film directors make movies about the old days so they can avoid all topics that they don't want to get into they're like back in the day yeah it was just you, tall white men it's <laughs> like, kind of okay. an excuse to make the whole movie white yeah i i, yeah. I get it well clooney has never i mean first this is coming as a shock because clooney's never made a boring movie i mean yeah leatherheads, leatherheads. ides of march um <laughs> ides of march is the tender so bar much more i didn't even i didn't see that but i i think there's there is a uh it's like a well-folded tea towel it's not a party. That is, that's how I would describe it. It's like, it's very, it's very appropriate. Every part of it is appropriate. The boys in the boat. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Do you have a nomination uh, for the most boring movie? (laughs) I don't, you know, and I don't want to turn this into the dang Razzies or some kind of no. But I thought that is the that's like to start (laughs) to start off, which is the most. I think as a baseline for like where is where is uh, American movies or where is that right? Where is American movies? Where is American movies right now? I would maybe say. I didn't. I didn't like willfully go to a lot of bad movies this year, but I did go to The Exorcist Believer, which was a ter- maybe the least scary movie I've ever seen in my life. Wow, um, boring and, and boring. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, that's uh, good. That, yeah, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. In, the, in The Exorcist Believer, there's a part where they where rather than say like the power of Christ compels you, uh-huh. they're like it's more like like community uh, compels you it's like they they more phrase it like you know like the power of good and community like they don't really commit to one it's like a multi-faith exorcism um which is kind of an interesting idea but it's done very boringly in the movie yeah but that doesn't even make any sense because the devil doesn't exist in every faith (laughs) (laughs) hey look i don't make the exorcist believer rules like think about this logically the devil isn't a thing and then they're like oh i guess get that thing that we don't believe in All right, they also well. mentioned patriarchy in it they're like the oh, it's ellen bernstein's in it and she's like she's like the patriarchy didn't allow me in the room for the exorcism you know uh, back uh, in the day but anyway i actually think the exorcist is a, is a very interesting movie uh not for all the vomiting and stuff that part i think is boring and not scary uh sad um it's the part at the very beginning of The Exorcist where she's an actress and you mm-hmm. see her working. It's like, I wish the whole movie was about this single mom who's like actually kind of a, you know, an artist herself who's trying to deal with her daughter growing up and stuff. And instead, this of is like, like the most Anne review of a movie ever. This is like, you just want an unmarried woman. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, name. Name more than like four movies that are like that. An Unmarried Movie Woman is a great movie. And I think mm. it's like, it's a great, there. there's so many, there's so much opportunity for that to be the story because there are so many women who would go see that movie. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Exorcist, uh, all versions of The Exorcist, silly because the devil's not real. Okay. Uh, I think one of the movies that, uh, a bunch of movies that I've watched, I think like that we talked about, we talked about Bo is Afraid, Air, Fast X, Air was very fun. Fast X, I can't remember seeing. <laughs> I think it was really bad. <laughs> Another candidate for most boring. Air, because yeah. uh, uh, Air, I also noted down that was a movie that when we saw it, I, I was like, I was like, oh, this is like, I, I think this is one of the best movies of the year. It will probably be pushed out by the end of the year. Not pushed out for me. Still ranks ah. as one of my as one of my favorite movie going experiences of the year. Very Air, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Oppenheimer uh, in reflection. I think there's some interesting parts of Oppenheimer, but I'm not interested in seeing it again. Um, Anatomy of a Fall. We both saw. Yes. Um, and uh, different, different, different places. But I was, and I've talked to a few people about this too. This, this oddness that it's not confusing whether or not she committed the crime. <laughs> I know because the movie was marketed as "Did she do it?" It was, I think, right. it, it was literally yeah, like, like hashtag thing. "Did she do it?" Like yeah. go to go to did she do it dot com, and I'm like, what is the confusion? Did she do it? Yeah, and I think if you don't You're think confused? of it as a question about whether or not she did it, if you think of it as just a a, a fantastic human actress. 
Mm-hmm. Like, Sandra a, like a, a late a lady actor. Yeah. Really. Like it's not it's not it's like she's like in her late forties. She's a mom. Uh, you know, she's got this murder trial thing going on. But also underneath all that is like she's a like a, a a person who has significance to other people. And that isn't really it's it's very much not an American movie that that I think I mean it's sort of like an unmarried woman. It's like, yeah, you have to have a murder plot to to create this story, but just having the movie star this woman who would never be in the star of an American movie. Yeah. Is yeah. really cool to see like this really just like she's so in every scene and just like and it's great. It's really great. And it made me I think that was the greatest mystery is like, man, American movies are so terrible at depicting a certain kind of just like I don't know almost like people go to Ikea people find all kinds of people attractive (laughs) and this is a compelling woman (laughs) but she would never be in an American woman because in an American movie because she doesn't look like every aspect of her face isn't perfectly aligned I guess like there's just something about watching it that's like ah dang that that i guess made me sad in a way that had nothing to do with the movie just about the the the, the sandra hiller who's Ger- german uh, right. uh in movies like uh, tony erdman and other movies um she like looks she would like play the she, friend or something she looks like a, a woman that you would see at a trader joe's in in uh, los Feliz or something uh but not in a movie uh, right. Maybe not, not, not as the star of a movie. And also, I think what's interesting about Anatomy of Fall, and I don't think it's a, it's I, I have my own issues with the length and everything, but I think it's a great portrait of a mother, a woman, a protagonist who's kind of weird. Like yeah. she's she's yeah. kind of cold in a way, and in a way she's almost on trial for being emotionally cold, and maybe because in the book in the movie she's a uh, an author. Uh, who's kind of pursuing her own career and everything and 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 yeah. kind of guarded and a little bit a little bit not selfish but like a little bit like you know claims her own time and her own marriage and everything and um yeah and isn't and, super intent on she's not super in love with her husband yeah she loves her son but she's not like super into being a mom as an identity her yeah. identity is still being a writer. She doesn't like the town she lives in. And I think you're right. I think maybe did she do it is really, that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is more that, that she's on trial for being a certain kind of lady that still isn't acceptable to be. Yeah. Yeah. But then other Uh, people around her like her. (laughs) It's like, she's very attractive to people. Um, but sort of in a bigger sense, she's an inappropriate kind of lady. Yeah. Good, good. I mean, it, it basically, the movie basically turns into like a very long courtroom, procedural kind of courtroom movie. The guy who plays the prosecutor is very good, I thought, in that. Uh, I don't know the actor. But I but really when, hope this is yeah. not how it is, because it's insane. Uh, it's <laughs> like, it's French court? Uh, for, uh, it's French, right? Or, uh, no, there, it's Belgian, I thought, Oh, Belgian. Right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Weird court system. Yeah, because they keep asking her, no, they keep asking her to speak French, but she doesn't speak French very well. So is she Belgian? Mm. I don't remember. But yeah, I think it's a boring town that she doesn't like. And then she goes to court and they're insisting that she speak English without a translator. It's like all this stuff that just seems like that cannot 
be this, but who cares? It's a movie. Um, but I think it's definitely worth watching, but realize you're not crazy for finding it not mysterious whether she no i found it zero mysterious she did it i mean just spoiler (laughs) alert she did it um what (laughs) else what other what other films i don't know she just did um (laughs) yeah so uh uh ryan you watch zone of interest which i will never watch no oh that's i should i should mention that while we're on the sandra hiller uh thing this was a movie that i i i do consider one of the one of the best movies that i saw this year the thing about zone of interest she she's in the movie does have some some fine actors in it Zone of Interest is a movie that you, I assume you're not going to watch, and because I'm of, already, uh, I'm ar- You know what? You know, stewed tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. They come in their own juice. I'm like, I had enough. I, I, I totally believe the Holocaust happened. It could yeah. happen again. Uh, Thank you. What I want to know about Zone of Interest is truly the sound design. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically a movie that takes place in a in a in a in a little a little family a, a Nazi family is basically living uh, uh, in a or whatever a Nazi commandant is living Na- with his Nazi family, family? <laughs> <laughs> Nazi family uh, basically on the other side of the wall of a concentration camp and the way that they indicate oh the boy in the striped pajamas uh, is that what that's about yeah uh, don't watch that movie anyone who has children uh, or yeah. cares about things don't watch that movie don't read that book either. Anyway, the way that they have to indicate in zone of interest that that basically uh, they're living next to a concentration camp is is primarily done through sound design, and mm-hmm. this is Jonathan Glazer, the the great director who directed Birth and Under the Skin. Under the Skin. Um, that uh, thing with it, there's a scene in Under the Skin on a beach with a baby. Yeah. That I will never forget, which is Super why funny. I will not watch. Very yeah. really funny. Um, yeah, yeah, you then you were not you're not going to like zone of interest if if uh, if if uh, the uh, if uh, the, ca- the implications uh, of things he does so beautifully like yeah. a truly great filmmaker at birth man birth will really freak you out too <laughs> birth is <laughs> a great movie I, uh, I I like sexy beast all, all the films uh, yeah. uh, of Jonathan yeah. Jonathan Glazer is but like sexy is like, beast is like is like the two weeks notice level of chill compared to his other I know movies. Sexy Beast is, is like a, I think it's coming off of like the Lockstock and movie. two smoking barrels <laughs> tradition of like he's he's kind of making a more zip zip zappy kind of uh, yeah. British uh, crime drama but Zone of Interest is uh, what I'd say about it is that it does something that I've never really seen which is that the entire movie has this sort of hum it has basically ambient hum of furnaces and things in the background and it doesn't really let up except for the scenes there's a few scenes that take place not at this house mm. um and it's about the ambience of tragedy and it 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 uh living like the, into the uh like also like there's no way they didn't know there's no way they didn't know and living in today's world living i think about it living since the october 7th you know this this muted low grade there's always some kind of terrible suffering happening in the world but this kind of uh, this kind of acknowledgement of suffering happening in the background something about zone of interest is it truly is nauseating and it's a great film but it's nauseating to watch because it 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 reco- it, it, it puts in your face this idea of what kind of suffering is our is, is are we ignoring what kind of suffering are are our own lives built on it's a movie for today a, an exceptional movie um i think that when it hits streaming you're going to hear a lot of people say 
I don't get it. And I think it's because they won't have the sound turned up loud enough. And this is a separate issue. <laughs> they, don't have, they don't have good enough speakers. Wait, they are don't have blacks speakers. not black enough? <laughs> but, but I think this is because I've heard this about, about a few films. I've, I've been hearing reactions to not Zone of Interest, but a couple other films where people are like, they're watching it at home and they're like, I don't really get it. And it's like, I, I think people are not, they do not have the sound turned up loud enough on their TV. Uh, and well, Zone of Interest, you know. That, that, uh, that could be. But also I think if a, if a movie is sort of not... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there could very well be. That's possible. Yeah. yeah. So I also watched uh, Iron Claw. The Iron Claw. Did I just watch watched that this? last night. Yeah. 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 Here's my takeaway from this movie. Mm-hmm. You have a whole movie that you made. And uh, it's about these three brothers, this wrestling, or five, four brothers. Well, there's wrestling. one more in There's one life. more that, yeah. who also killed himself. Yeah. So they cut him out because it was just too much. And you have this whole movie that's made that is honoring these brothers. There's only one still living because everyone died. All of these brothers died. And the dad is like incredibly hard on them. And the mom is like, well, I love him. There's one level of this movie, which is about, you know, he it's Zac Efron plays this very, very sad wrestler. Basically the wrestler. Um, mm. In a really surprisingly good performance. Zac Efron is so good in this movie. I he's, swear. He's, he's your really heart good. breaks for him. It's like he's at an 11 of sadness yeah. for two hours. And it's amazing how it's am- it's <laughs> like everyone's on Jeremy Allen White, partially because of this movie, because his muscles are insane. But how much he's acting and how much Zac Efron is just bringing i think all of the things that he has into the story yeah like he's it's like he's a limited guy and he can't do anything about his pain and that's such a oh my god that's so sad (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. so sad but i think the movie has this this level at which it's about these brothers who all love each other and they stick together and on another level it's the most atrocious parenting I've ever seen treated, (laughs) treated by the children like it isn't. So I think it's actually a really, really excellent film about how abuse actually works. Yeah. Is that you train people to believe that the behavior is normal and then they internalize it. And then when they make a mistake, they die and the person who actually is the cause of this just unbearable level of pressure is their dad, mm-hmm. who gets away with everything. This is the actor Holt McCallany, uh, yeah. who's uh, uh, terrifying in the movie. Um, yeah, but in a very, yeah. in a, like, he it, he keeps it together. And then the mom, like, they have this sort of, like, they still have a sexy relationship. And more she tyranny, likes them. yeah. Yeah, and she's on board with it. So it's it normalizes his behavior of just being relentlessly critical of them mm-hmm. and then making all their decisions for them. And then you see what happens when you do that. They all commit suicide. Mm. And then the but the movie is not like, hey, look at this terrible dad. It's like, look at these people who are have internalized this to the degree that they don't see their dad that way. And if you read articles, that is not what that the wrestler, the surviving son, 
doesn't think his dad sucks. Oh, this is Kevin uh, Van, uh, Von Eric. Um, yeah. uh, oh, so he's not he's not so critical of his uh, No, dad. he's like, oh, well, wow. you know, we had our problems. And I'm like, everyone in your family killed themselves. I this think is, yeah. it's a little, but that's what's, I think that's why it's, it, it's like, I, I don't know if that's intentional or it's accidental. I really, I haven't read enough about the directing, but, uh, you know, the, it's the same director, Marcy May Marlene, that mm, cult Sean movie. Durkin, yeah. And I think it's possible that that is exactly what is intended here is that you're, you're inside of a dynamic in which it's like, if, if everyone's believing it then I must be the one at fault. And I don't, mm-hmm. I just, even if it's not to this extreme, I think there's a, uh, a lot of people deal with that. A lot of people deal with that of like, well, everyone else is acting like this is okay behavior. So I guess it is. You know, it's interesting. I, I just saw, watched this movie last night and I, I am still processing it, I think. And I, what I was, my feeling on it was, this is a, such an effective tragedy a story of tragedy, but I don't, I didn't know what, what leaving the movie. I was like, is this, is this, what is the functionality of a movie like this? Like, is it just, is it just a, uh, is it, are we, just kind of, yeah. are we, are we just yeah. kind of wallowing and almost like in that, that kind of true crime wallowing and like e true Hollywood yeah. story, like, you know, like a, a salacious uh, suicides. Uh, but I think what you're saying is, is why it's so effective is because it shows you, uh, the, the abuse dynamic uh, in a way. And, and at no and, point does anyone ever go, hey, no wait one a second. Ever said, except for Efron near the end of the movie. Um, yeah, when uh, another one of his brothers kills himself, yeah, he's like, I told reaction. you to look out for him. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's that limit of your, um, yeah. I found this movie, I, I found Iron Claw, I, 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 I cried, I wept, I, I, Zac Efron is, is so good and it's not, there's a temptation to say, well, this is just kind of a stunt performance of a guy trying to win no, an Oscar. I think, he's actually I think he's genuinely really great. I think Zac Efron's always been a, been a good actor with a lot of potential and promise, and he's certainly incredibly talented. But he's never been called upon in this way as an actor. And I and he, well, I he, think he he's he's I think he's been called upon as an actor to be sort of a uh, a happy marionette. Yeah, and in this, it's like, oh, he is. He is not. And his, I mean, it's just like his face and his body is just like, God, no, it's Hollywood a man who underst- tried to kill you. He understands what it's like to be in showbiz and what it's like to perform from that young age. And to, I mean, he, so not to, I mean, I'm sure he, he'll, he could speak better on the parallels of, of himself and, and Kevin Von Eric better, but uh, you can't help but go, man, this is a guy who's been through the ringer and he survived and he's playing the survivor of this. Yeah, barely. I yeah. mean, that's the thing too, is like whether it's, I mean, it doesn't have to be your parents. It could be just the adults around and there's absolutely no doubt out in my mind that he suffered something as a child actor mm-hmm. anyway very uh but there is one scene in it that the, i think you know the scene where i went oh oh my god no what oh no when the uh, uh there, there's a there's a reunification of the brothers scene oh, oh yep 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 and i yep, was yep, like yep. i was like this is right this is this is right between funny and sad. This is and I was like I feel like this is funny. I loved it. 
I absolutely loved it. I was, it worked for me a thousand percent. It, it worked for me in a way that, um, well, there's another film that I think we might talk about in a minute that, that that's, that's uh, more effectively about reuniting kind of with your dead relatives, but, yes. um, but, but, uh, but, 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 but Iron Claw, it, it worked for me. If you want to know what I think about it, if you want to know what I think about it, I would, I'm, I'm on board. I'm crying. I'm, I'm yeah. 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 But also I'm like, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to, I'd like to see some slightly different angles from Jeremy on white. I not so far, not seeing it. I don't really watch the bear, so I don't know what's up with him. Actually, um, you know what? I did want to say that some of the things that I watched, um, uh, this year were not movies. And one of the ones that I wanted to you point watch out. TV? Yuck. Yes. I watch TV. Ugh. I don't, as, as a show in general, I think the bear suffers from a lot of extremely over-the-top acting, which is fine. That's the style of the show. But there's one episode in this last season called Forks. And it's about one of the guys who works in the restaurant. He has to go to a really fancy restaurant to get trained. Mm-hmm. And uh, it to, to be trained, he has to start out by polishing forks. And I think that this episode to me... Is, is it's a little movie about a guy who's like, he's always lived in this sort of way of being somebody who, uh, you know, he was a cook. He accepts that. He's not anybody's favorite. He thinks of himself as kind of a loser. His relationship's broken up. He, you know, he has, he sees his kids sometimes. He doesn't feel respected in his life or very good. He hates that he has to go to this restaurant and learn to do this stupid fork thing. And then over the course of the episode, he realizes that maybe he's better than he thought. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm just, you know, it's he's 45. He says he's 45 in the show. And I think there's something about the depiction of somebody having a moment of realizing they're slightly better than they thought or that they can actually aspire to more, really more, more specifically, that they can aspire to more is really wonderfully done in this. And the guy, Eben is his name, the the actor who's in it, who's been mm-hmm. in movies forever. He's actually plays uh, Keanu Reeves' brother in The Lake House. It's the first time I saw this guy. He always looks kind of sleepy. Um, but he's lovely in this. He's lovely in this episode. I think as a standalone movie, it would be great. And he has these little interactions with different people in the in the restaurant. But it's it's like it had an impact on me as an idea of like you can always think of yourself in one way and and actually be wrong. You can be wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you if you're open to it, you can actually realize that you have much greater capacity to to be a good artist. I mean, I'm sure that's what it's about is like he's kind of like a middling writer or whatever. Sure, and then sure. he becomes like a good writer. Um but I would say watch that episode. You don't need to actually watch any of the rest of the bear. Well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Um, <laughs> I've seen some of the bear, but uh, yeah, but you to, don't uh, need to. I, that um, is that is the episode worth watching. Watch that little movie. On that on on the note of a, this question of struggling with your identity as an artist, did you see American Fiction? I didn't watch that yet because I 
know I'm going to like it, so I'm uh-huh. saving it. You're saving it. You're saving <laughs> it until after we do the best of the year episode. <laughs> no, I'm, sa- I'm saving it because I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to like that. And um, I just, I don't know. It's I think it's I, 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 it's a movie I did want to mention just it, it, just in passing because I, I, I like American fiction a lot. It's kind of a shit-talking movie. It's sort mm-hmm. of, uh, it's it's critical, you know, of, of popular culture, which I, of course like and it takes place in the world of writing and publishing but it's really kind of a hollywood movie it's about this it's kind of the story of it's basically a satire and it and it it very very much surprised me Mm -hmm. uh that i enjoyed it because satire is what closes on saturday night uh but there's there's hints of uh, it reminds me in certain ways it kind of reminds me of spike lee's bamboozled and in other ways it reminds me of of robert altman's the player it's it's Mm -hmm. uh, sort of uh folding in like a lot of a lot of criticisms of the black experience as portrayed in contemporary fiction and and mm-hmm. black representation as how it has to exist for uh, white people and jeffrey wright is I, I i think is really good in the movie and it and it i think i thought it was a I'm, it's a delicate movie to talk it's de- i find it's it's a difficult movie to talk about because i'm not black and i don't understand the experience but what i what, what i think you get across what the movie's trying to get across Cord jefferson the writer director here is trying to get across is the idea of wanting one's experience and one's suffering and one's pain and joy to be perceived as human and mm-hmm. not just not just black not just put on the black shelf you know of the mm-hmm. of the bookstore uh and uh i think it's a i think it's a, a really uh, cool movie um that's a that uh works as a satire because it's sort of like half satire half family drama uh, mm-hmm. and I've, t- I've talked to some people who can't quite reconcile those two halves, but I think taken together as a whole, you get the, you pick up the full theme, which is that like, no, we all have, everybody has pr- problems. Everyone have, has parents with dementia or this, a brother that's out of control mm-hmm. or this or that, yeah. you know, and, yeah. uh, and how do you, how do you express that through art? So American fiction, I would, I, 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 I that was one of the more pleasant surprises this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love I love any time someone talks to a book publisher. <laughs> <laughs> You'll like American fiction. <laughs> I'm like, hold on. Are you talking to a book publisher? I just watched this movie called Good Grief, which um, is uh, not the first part. Uh, it's an interesting movie to watch because I think uh, it's self-involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and in an interesting way where somebody who writes and directs and stars in a movie can be, can be, but there's an excellent scene in it, um, involving sort of a, a book publisher type of character. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll that's from up. this year. That's yeah. A, oh, oh, wait, oh, wait, that's Dan Levy's movie. Okay. Yeah, Dan yes. Levy. Um, huh. but what's her name? The book publisher lady has one moment who, and she's great. And I just sat there thinking, why isn't the whole movie this lady? Hmm. Some really good supporting actors. Like it's worth. Oh yeah, Selena Emery. Oh, Celia Emery. Yeah, who's okay. been in so many things in England, but not here. Mm. She's in it, and very briefly, it, it like completely nails her moment. <laughs> and then the other actors in the movie are, are good. So anyway, just watched that last night, so that's why I'm thinking about it. Um, uh, the holdovers was one that came <laughs> out. Um. What do you think about the holdovers? <laughs> the holdovers. Okay, here's the thing. I like the holdovers just fine. 
I mm-hmm. think that there's I've heard a lot of reactions that are like it's the new holiday classic. Oh my god, they don't make them like the holdovers anymore. Like I'm going to watch the holdovers every every year of my life for the rest of my life. I might okay. see the holdovers like one more time. I didn't I I I liked the holdovers. I didn't really laugh at the holdovers and the whole private school milieu is not really something I'm you never got picked up in, in a helicopter. That was I'm just not. not <laughs> I'm just not interested. Dead Poets Society, all those movies. I'm just not really interested in that in that setting. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, to me, like hold, holdovers is is like a it's like a B plus. It's like a good B plus movie. It's but a good not quite hold movie. the holdovers. I, I, you ordered I, breakfast. You didn't say hold the holdovers. <laughs> My impression is that from your introduction, you you you're not a hot on the holdovers. I just I'm like who fucking gives a shit <laughs> i mean like that's truly my feeling is like oh i'm sorry a bunch of rich privileged little assholes learn one thing yeah. who cares and then he learns to leave a, a, a safe secure job when he's probably a shitty writer <laughs> that's really what i thought i was like sure. okay yeah Sh- uh mm-hmm. you've made this movie before <laughs> like I'm just, I think I'm just very tired of mediocre guys, tiny problems being like the centerpiece of a movie. And everyone's like, oh, well, because we're accustomed to that, because we know that mm-hmm. his problems are more important than everyone else's, that we we care. But I was so mad about the character of the lady who works in the um, in the, the dining hall. The cook. Oh, uh, Divine Joy uh, Randolph. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm sorry. I don't have her name off the top of my head. So it's... she has a son who actually died in Vietnam that year. Mm-hmm. And her sadness about spending the holidays completely alone without her son are in this movie depicted as equivalent to a guy who's bummed that he didn't write a book about the Roman Empire. Mm hmm. I mean, don't put a don't put a a real black person in this movie. Then don't invoke Vietnam. Don't invite invoke the loss of the only person in your life. Like she's working at this place that doesn't even care about her because she was trying to get her son to be able to go to the school. He does, and then immediately dies. Well, then make a point about <laughs> the unfairness of life and america or something but no it's will james gandal not james gandolfini why am i saying that mm-hmm. <sighs> will james gandolfini yeah will james gandolfini come back to life <laughs> <laughs> that would help if he was a professor i would be like oh oh my god take. if it was if it was tony Soprano there as a professor i'd be watching that he's movie. like hey tell you what let's go into the city let's go ice skating <laughs> Anyway, I don't want to rant about it, but I I think that element of the movie made me mad. It made I agree. Me, I, I, agree. I resented I think it was, that that yeah. the, that it's like it's couched in this way that's like this is an appropriate level of set of of thing where she's she's definitely a supporting character, and I'm like, why? Stop acting like that's automatic. Too serious of a thing. I think the Vietnam stuff is too serious to invoke in this movie, which is otherwise pretty pretty bantam weight uh in its in in and i think he did cheat by the way 
I think it'd be more interesting <laughs> if he did cheat. I mean, yeah. I think that's a more interesting movie. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, the one thing no. I'll give the holdovers is that it doesn't have the the holdovers does not have the um, embarrassing fantasy that like a beautiful woman will be interested in you. Yes, like, at I'm least, grateful for that. At least, at least Giamatti at the end is like, yeah, this guy's kind of yeah. gonna have to get the rest of his journey alone. Though. Gandolfini he would but get Gandolfini, the lady. <laughs> Gandolfini at the end will be. He say, "Come on, let's let's get them." Well, I can't do a Gandolfini. But. <laughs> No, I would buy that more. Yeah. yeah. Also, there's a there's a there's a recurring thing in there where they talk about how he smells like fish, and mm. I think that that <laughs> like oh my god, that is a really big deal actually. Yeah, that's like a that's huge... not sound design. That's like you're. I know what fish smells like. They, they should have. I mean, that maybe should have been the top, the movie should have been called like the smelly man or something, because that's really what you're like. Everything else you can overcome, but the smell. Okay, then take out, take yeah. out the cook, take yeah. out everything serious and just make it about a stinky man. You know, make it an R. Crumb story about a stinky mm. man who follows sexy ladies around. Oh, damn, I'd watch that movie into big boots and legs. and Yeah. <laughs> then stinky guy finds <clears throat> love with a woman who can't smell. Great. Yeah. Watch that movie in a heartbeat. There Speaking of. Speaking of, of weird guys, Napoleon. <laughs> Napoleon. This is the next one I wanted to bring up. Okay, Napoleon. I think we might be in agreement here. Great relationship movie. Great. In, so bad fun. Battle movie. Bad Boring war battles, movie. Yeah. yeah. I think I think we're probably too in dark. Agreement. I watched yeah. this at night uh, with no lights on, and it was still like, huh. Also, I don't care. I don't care. I guess you said there's some part where. He gets everybody out on the ice and then blows up the ice and everybody. You, 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 now, wait a minute. You didn't watch, you watched like half of this movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I watched the full film at the, yeah. at the Vista Theater. But it's like four hours long and the accents are, honestly, most of the time I don't find accents to be a problem. But this one I was like, he sounds like he's from LA and he's, he's a general. What? Mm-hmm. I still would place Napoleon in my, collection of the best films of the year because of napoleon and josephine i think that Uh joaquin and vanessa kirby who is turning into one of the most eccentric actors working now between this and and the the new mission impossible movie i'm like wow she's really like out there uh i think those scenes are so compelling i do think joaquin's good in the movie i just think that the that the battles are not are they leave a little they're very loud but they leave a little bit to be desired in the in the for thrills (laughs) too loud not loud enough so a lot of these criticisms but i I think i think i think think napoleon and josephine are just so good i was like this movie rules like there were moments where i was like this movie is so good it has like an almost barry linden level of just like like characters freaking out in these ornate settings and, and a movie I, that no one ever criticized, by the way. <laughs> Barry Lennon? <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody loves Barry Lennon now. I know, at the time now, they thought they thought it was I boring think, at the time. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But yeah. 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 But yeah. I, I think I uh there's a James Gray collection right now on Criterion and I love James Gray. Uh Armageddon Time, no. Don't no. But, You're more of a uh, We Own the Night head. We Own the Night, it's great. Um, a Little Odessa, like every one of his movies, really. The Yards, not as much. But I rewatched Two Lovers this, uh, like in the last few days. And I think uh, watching it, I was like, man, it makes me sad for like, I think it's an inevitable part of being a famous actor, but 
like he's sitting in a restaurant waiting for Gwyneth Paltrow and her boyfriend to come in and he's so in love with her and she's asked him to meet them there to see if the boyfriend's for real and the the amount of stuff he's he's it the scene is just great like he stands up and he bumps the table he's trying to figure out he's like oh i think they gave me a menu already but i don't know if it's the same he's so uncomfortable and so clearly representing human level Mm -hmm. (laughs) feelings (laughs) that this kind of like I mean, I'm worried about Gladiator 2 for that same reason. There's some actors in it where I'm like, I love you in a house. I don't know if I love you so much if you're going to be playing to the cheap seats kind of movies. You mean in a toga or whatever? You're talking about Paul Mescal uh, in particular. Uh, uh, yeah, but other yeah. The, every guy in that, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every guy. <laughs> Probably some lady. I don't know. Um, but I think it's like a, yeah, it's just the maybe that thing of like you you get to a certain level and you have the option of being set for life and then the acting style does change with it like al pacino like al pacino was was interesting to watch in panic in needle park or serpico and now he's different is even more interesting to watch right yeah 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 is what you mean it's to like say distilling something mm. about a person i don't think is great like getting good at it maybe isn't great like the closer you are to a person on screen the better i i would make this argument that walking phoenix who i think is a brilliant brilliant actor and reached these kinds of highs in um the master let's say uh i would say joker and napoleon he may be more doing an I don't. I don't want to. I don't actually want to say that it's like an autopilot version of of his. No, no, uh, no. Of, I'm not saying that. I, I, I think yeah. he is feeling something. I think he is feeling. I think it's just the sophistication of the movies. The Joker, I think, is a very unsophisticated, pretty much dumb movie. Napoleon is a is a little bit smarter of a movie. It's a li, it's a it's a little bit. It's. I think it's going after a little bit more of a representation of like how weird does this guy have to be and how misanthropic does he have to be to to take over the world in a kind of unfeeling way. And I think Joaquin's yeah, like. You, I mean, that's like, a different role, and I will acknowledge that know. I didn't watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a general note that I have about. It probably also has to do with being famous. It's like you're not you're not able to be as much of just a person interacting in the world. You mm. have to have a whole other layer of self, and maybe that's just an inevitable part of it. Unless yeah. you're Heath Ledger, and then you just die, or River Phoenix, and then you just die. Like maybe there's <laughs> maybe there's a reason why that happens: is the inability to adjust and protect uh, enough that you can handle it yeah. i don't know um yeah so i guess like in terms of like movies that i truly loved will come as no shock to anyone who listens to this podcast past lives everybody past lives. <laughs> past lives. uh we might as well we, we might, <laughs> can, uh, I ki- we, can i kiss yes. this movie can i can i marry this movie because i love it so much <laughs> 
Um, we have, we already did a full episode on past lives, so uh, it's, yeah. if, if you're really interested in, in past lives, you can you can mm-hmm. listen to our, our full a full ninety minutes. I think that we did back in uh, yes. uh, May or past something. Lives. Uh, past lives. Uh, past it's lives. held on for me as a, as really one of the great uh, uh, film experiences of the year. So uh, I have talked to so many people where, especially women, honestly, um, uh, where it's like it's such a great gateway to having a real conversation. And I think that's something incredible about a movie where it, what it's talking about is so intimate and real and unsolvable mm-hmm. <laughs> that when you talk about it, you're inevitably collecting bits of who they are. Yeah. You're sharing pieces of what your interaction with that movie is, which is really your interaction with love and what you're is, just just discussing yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah. You're discussing yeah. the movie, but you're actually discussing what your feelings are and what your history is, and that's. I I I apparently there are women who felt that way talking about Barbie. I didn't. I just felt that way about past lives. Barbie's. I rewatched Barbie on TV, and I was like, "This is not." But you thought it was great really, this time. I, I you was loved like, it? "This is this is this is." Uh. Uh, but no, past lives. I, I, I honestly, I was. I knew we were going to talk about it, and I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out what should I say about this movie. And I, I actually re- realized that what I was wanted to say was sort of embarrassingly revealing, mm, which is yeah. that. And I don't. And this is going to sound like an overstatement, but I think since seeing past lives, I feel less burdened in a way by my own history and I'm, I'm the kind of person that can get very bothered about relationships that didn't work out or relationships that never happened or or things because movies and, and fiction in a way has a way has a way of making you feel that you that you must rush to the airport and you must crash the right. wedding or you must do this <laughs> yeah. you know you must do that because it must all work out and past lives is really more about the acceptance of life uh as it as it is mm-hmm. or the or the or the or the, yeah. the kind the kind of this kind of lateral movement it's 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 almost like an interdimensional movement between characters and what but what yeah, connection but it maybe it maybe isn't ideal and and something about past lives has kind of it's therapeutic as a movie almost yeah. i think it's it's as a piece of art well it's a beautifully um, written movie it's a wonderfully acted movie and I think it's a wonderfully directed movie. It made me feel, you know, in a bigger way than even the movie. And I've said this to a few people is like, it made me feel relief that there is space for a female filmmaker who I think represents a, a sensitive artistic woman, mm. not, you know, who's all soft and squishy and, trying to figure it out with with such sympathy and that and then it's like that that i think that there's something about watching it that makes it feel like oh you know what you don't need to get everything right that maybe the not rightness is beautiful mm-hmm. i really i just i don't know i think it's a it's a really great movie and um and also for anyone who still hasn't seen it these people are so incredibly attractive. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone a, in this yeah. movie has beautiful, beautiful eyes. <laughs> like, yeah. even even the husband. It's like everyone. It's just because they're look. They're really present. They're really present in in a way that's 
that is, I think I've thought this about, about this a lot, you know, since, you know, like succession was so amazing and we talked about succession quite a bit, but like how certain directors can be like, or I think about this with parenting too. Like you see in a kid's eyes, them being like, do I go this way or this way? And it's on you to tell them with your face, not with any words, but with your face, it's okay. You can decide. It's mm. okay. I trust you. I'm not scared. Go. Have, have find your way. And I think that's what that I think that's what good directing is, is you you're 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 guiding your little children to like go be whatever it is. You've got it in there. I trust yeah. you. Yeah, I think. I don't, and yeah. I, yeah. And I think some of these movies like I, I do think that there was some there was some scenes in succession where I was like, this is some of the best acting I saw this year. And I think in here and then, you know, very easily we can transition into um, all of us strangers, which is just that too it's like you give these people you give you give especially andrew scott like the opportunity to be present and oh my god it's so good and so emotional and the plot is crazy but it just it's like no everyone believes it all of us strangers is a uh, this is a movie, another movie that I'm kind of still still trying to trying to reason with uh, uh, yeah. as a movie. But the one <laughs> thing I can say, uh, un, with just with zero qualification, is Andrew Scott is that is like my actor of the year is Andrew Scott and all, all of us strangers. What a performance! I mean, that is so just like, great. And the entire movie, really. I mean, there's other good actors in the movie, but the, but if if he doesn't work in that movie, that movie's just just is nothing. Yeah. And he, yeah. and he's, he's doing, Andrew, I, we were talking about this earlier, but Andrew Scott or, or off pod, we were talking about this, but Andrew Scott does something in that movie, which is so remarkable, which is most actors are trying to reach an emotion. When you yeah. see a lot of actors in movies, they're, they're just, they're, they're just trying yeah. to concentrate so that they can cry on camera. And in, in all of the strangers, Andrew Scott is a man who's on the verge of tears the entire time. And he's and in, in many of the scenes. He's, he looks like he's trying not to cry. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's just a revelatory performance. And I, I liked him from Sherlock and from uh, Fleabag and everything, but this is a different level. This is a, this is a completely different level of performance from, from him, a really remarkable. So uh, good. And Paul Maskell is so good too, but I think because his, he, he's so good too. There are scenes where they're in, you know, they're, they're having a romance and I think there's something about, uh, I think the biggest thing that 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 maybe that I'm attracted to in movies this year is just a feeling of relief is like it, seeing these two guys in this movie being able to portray just connecting with each other. And yeah, they have sex and whatever. <laughs> they have quite a bit of sex. It's very sexy. But the 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 way that the 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 use of that the use of their physical and emotional connection. They're so capable of being present in those scenes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, part of that is the, the changes in society that make it okay to say, what, you're saying that men who are attracted to men don't feel every single thing that everyone else feels? Mm -hmm. And it's not in this, the, like, the Philadelphia kind of way of like, don't worry, we'll never show a penis. They don't actually kiss or anything. It's like, no, they do. 
and yeah. he's a person also. Yeah, um, it feels like a full-bodied representation of a, of a gay romance, and um, yeah. Uh, but, but not it? even, but not, but not really the heart of the movie. The heart of the movie is this, it's kind of like a science fiction journey that he's taking, reuniting with his parents and he's just spending, right. uh, it's, um, yeah. And, uh, and this uh, is a huge, <laughs> or his, his dead parents, I should say yeah, they're, they're, that's the parents. science fiction part. It's not just, he's not going to Philadelphia and meeting his parents. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. they're back from the grave. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they're living in their same house, but yeah. it's like, don't worry about what's happening. Follow what what everyone's feeling. It's really it's like just follow with the feeling and it does not matter what else is and what's going on doesn't matter. What's going on doesn't matter. It's such an overwhelmingly I felt I I I I I think it's it must be more universal than 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 I realize but it's it's so overwhelmingly powerful this idea to me of of watching him I don't know just the idea of going back and meeting your parents reconnecting with with dead people and just the idea of like spending an evening with them. when I think about people that I've lost in my life and I go well it's just I, I would I, what I really want is to just go and spend one evening with them you know uh and that's yeah, what this movie like the, the he goes i mean it's a christmas movie too it is it is yeah <laughs> it truly yeah. is a christmas movie yeah. i just think it's like i mean i, I also i've always been a, a big, big like go watch that show looking that no one watched on hbo i mean mm-hmm. i've never met anyone who actually watched it but it's about a bunch of men in uh san francisco in their dating lives and it's 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 very it's like <sighs> It's so it's just like, hey, you can be a sensitive person and have any sexual preference. And I really like that idea that it's like, no, we're individual people. We really are. It's not like, oh, you're like this because of the certain categories that you fall into, because I resent that sort of thing being said to me. Mm-hmm. There was another movie that I watched that's... um that also was that that was very well received. I don't know if it came out this year or last year. The Iris Axe movie Passages, but I just that's watched that's this it. year. Yeah, I was this I just year. thought of that in reference to um to I think that that all of the strangers and and passages are kind of a good pair. Uh, uh maybe well because there's so yeah. much awesome butts in it. <laughs> uh, but passages is very different. But passages is almost totally kind of different. a com- it's kind of a comedy. Uh, they but, really uh, have nothing to do with each <laughs> yeah. other. But the reason I bring it up is that I was reading about it, and the director Iris Axe, who made a an, a really interesting movie set in New York uh, called Little Men, that we have to talk about at some one. point. Um, we'll do that um, on attention must be paid. Theoretically, yes. Uh, but one of the <laughs> things he said in talking about his movie was in this interview, he said, when I think of a lack of, lack of sex in cinema, I think of it as a lack of films about adult life in general. Yeah. And I was like, I think that's a really because the, it's like you're leaving out something that is essential to why people do so many things. Mm hmm. And if you leave that out, if you leave that element of, and I think Passages does represent that very well, is like a, an ostensibly gay person has a relationship with a woman and then all the complications that ensue is like, because people aren't really like that. They're just, this guy is just doing what he does. Yeah. And why must we freak out so hard about the categorization of individual people? Yes, everyone should have the right to do what they wish, the idea that one guy can't do whatever he wants is like 
I mean, he's also unbelievably selfish. <laughs> yeah, but passengers is, a, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a uh, what I found watching. It has one. I guess I, I didn't even realize this until reading about the movie after that. It has one. It has one sex scene in it that was deemed too explicit for uh, right I guess because it was rated because he touches the butt. Yeah, yeah, and then they and then so the movie released the film basically unrated. But watching the movie, I kind of went into the movie sort of not knowing any of that, and watching the movie, I didn't even really. Th- think about that i was just like okay this is a this is a way a love story can go it's basically about a guy a a, a man uh, a man and his husband and he he uh he basically like leaves his husband to to pursue a relationship with the uh what's the girl from um blue is the warmest color uh Mm -hmm. but uh who's great who's yeah i really liked her yeah but to me, to me, the passages, it was remarkable because I didn't even think of it as a gay or straight romance or anything. It was just kind of a, a movie about a great, a great character study of this selfish guy uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and Ben Wishaw and, uh, uh, you know, the most English actor. I think, really I think good he might be the most English. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help but think of little Paddington when I uh, hear oh, his voice. That's but, right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. He is Paddington. Yeah. But I think that's what's. I think that's what's interesting about it is it's, it's God, this guy, Frank uh, Rugnowski is so great. Oh, Franz Rugnowski. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Franz, Franz. Sorry. I, my autocorrect in my brain. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you got to make him American. But one of the other things that, that Iris X said is that he showed him uh, James Cagney for this role. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I get yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Totally. He's just like, he's out there. He's just, he's like this wiry little man who's just like, um, you know, like, thank God for the return of the wiry little dudes because it's just great. It's great. I'm all for it. I'm all for like this weird the little, little, little live wires, little, little hot Yeah. Heads. Like Iron yeah. Claw is full of, uh, full yeah. of like. <laughs> Uh, they they describe them on screen as being six foot two and you know that they are five seven and that yeah. is a, a it's just like hey it's a movie just yeah. li- live yeah. with it um which i will now say salt burn we have to think about oh, salt God. burn there's now, another wiry little guy in there <laughs> i don't think this is in is this in the categorization of movies you loved is salt burn <laughs> all of this is movies we saw there are aspects of salt burn i truly could not have loved more and i think it has to do like with how what? what what angle you're the the last scene in that movie i thought that uh, was so great because i was like what i'm saying when i'm talking about movies i really you're actively need. naming a bad movie now yeah yeah but you're, you're, here here's but here's here's my case for it okay. is i think <laughs> movies are personal right so what that movie is about is a talented Mr. Ripley kind of guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, fine. Which is a character I enjoy. I didn't. I, did she see talented Mr. Ripley before <laughs> writing Saltburn? Wow. Okay. Right. But it's about a guy who's like, he just wants to be, he just wants, he, he just wants to be rich. He just wants to be a rich guy who lives in a big house. Mm-hmm. And I think sitting in my not fancy apartment thinking about the holidays thinking about don't sell yourself short no but not fancy not a fancy apartment Mm -hmm. lovely lovely neighborhood not a fancy apartment and just thinking about like god what it would feel like to be done struggling 
And I think looking at the movie as just like, oh, man, this is just a guy who kind of gets whatever he wants, however he wants. It's not serious. This is not a serious movie. This is not a serious movie at all. You're not, None of her movies are serious. You're not serious people. Yes. No, it's yeah. not serious people. It's just like, hey, here's the thing. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if you could just like do whatever you wanted all the time? And I think what's his name? Jacob Alordi is appropriately boring. But I, I just I think that there it I think just following a character who's getting whatever they want, however they want, as a person who is like very inclined towards being concerned about doing everything in a way that doesn't hurt anyone else. And is basically, I guess, a nice person. I like movies like that because it's like, yeah, the director of this movie doesn't care. Nobody cares. <laughs> They're just like going for it and doing really weird stuff. I'm like, yeah, great. I like that. I don't like Saul. You Saul hated Burn. it. No, I don't like Saul Burn. And 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 <laughs> here's the thing. I and it's not. I I dislike Saul Burn for reasons that I think were surprising to me, because uh, I thought yeah. that Promising Young Woman was like basically like looked like shit and was a dumb screenplay. And uh -huh. I think Saltburn looks beautiful. She stepped yeah. it up like she like Emerald Fennel is a director. She can direct a film and stage a pretty <laughs> you shot. And everything. That. Yes, and also. Um, I had heard, you know, that there's some, there's going to be some kind of, um, gross stuff in the movie or whatever. If, fine, fine. I, mm -hmm. the, the, the stuff did mm -hmm. not actually bother me, but my sense of it was that the movie does not, is thematically a mess and there are images that are meant to evoke shock. And I don't think Emerald Fennel really knows what she wants to do with any of these images. To to use to go back to the Criterion Channel and their their programming right now, the Criterion Channel has a a program of films on Ken Russell or Ken Russell mm -hmm. movies. Mm -hmm. Now, Ken Russell movies, he's 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 more he's 20 times more sacrilegious and controversial yeah. and and boundary pushing than than anything in Saltburn. But he's an intelligent director mm -hmm. and so when so so i like i'm gonna watch all those movies and rewatch some of them or whatever because i because if i'm seeing something that's controversial in the in or or, or, or a taboo pushing there's a reasoning behind it and i think emerald fennel is throwing out a lot of stuff in Saltburn that as i watched it i was like okay you can make you can do really creepy scenes if that's what you want to do emerald fennel but i don't know what any of this means really well um, i think it's a i think it's because <clears throat> just based on her previous movie there's a high focus on sort of the external the achievement of an external win in it, like even at the expense of your in your being alive which is what happens in um promising young woman and i think this is the same it's like he wants this thing like a bug there's no reason he just wants it and he's just going to go get it. And I think it's like, it's just, it's just, it's just opulence for the sake of opulence. People love Downton Abbey. It's just opulence for the sake of opulence. Why is this? Like he drinks come out of a bathtub and I'm like, yeah, haven't we all had a crush on someone so much? We drink their come out of a bathtub. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This is a tough. I mean, hey, maybe I'm just not the audience for it. I don't know. But you know, I just think I, it was funny. It's supposed there, to be funny. It's not supposed to be serious or like some big treatise on rich versus poor. It's the it's like it gives you that because he says he's poor and then he's lying. It's like it's just a 
bunch of nonsense. But is it? But is it funny? I mean, that's my thing. Is like, is it? I, I'll give it. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you. Rosamund Rosamund Pike has good. some moments. What yeah, Rosamund Pike has some moments. Barry is great. Barry is Barry's great. I was not following great. him. I think Barry's he's not great. great. I think he's great. No, Jacob Bellardi's a snooze. No, I think Barry's no, great. No, no. This I is like your, him. this is a bad movie. Saltburn is is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is. Okay. I think it's not. It's not a significant movie, but I think it is a. I think it has some. I'm sure it has. It has some understanding of it as you know, person who's part of the English class system, who is that that on top of. The, I'm sure she's on top of the English class sure. system. By the way, well, yeah. there's no top. Yeah, that's the queen. <laughs> she's yeah. the or the king. Uh, the spare. It's the spare. <laughs> but, <laughs> But I just I don't know. I, I I like the idea of the expansion of something to be like, hey, you know what? What if you just go to a world where you can do whatever you want? And and like, that's what it, this is what it would be like. This would have, this is like a fantasy murder getting what you want thing. And there's there movies like that before. It's just like, yeah, he's got period blood on his face and he drinks cum and he has sex with dirt. <laughs> it's like, if you want to see that. Uh, and and see someone dancing with joy about winning. I don't know. But see, I, it's, I like, it's like fun. it's like it's like better than the holdovers. Edge Lord. It's like it's like it's like you know like Wait, when like, like it's like naughty for the sake of naughtiness and not very smart. It's like I'm trying to think. Like Heather's is a good movie, but I'm trying to think of a movie that's not good. That's like trying to be nasty. You know. Uh, that's kind of what I felt Saltburn was, was like, it was like, it, it, it was to me, I, I mean, and I, and the movie definitely has fans. Apparently it was like the, it was sort of like the, the alternative holiday watch of the season. A lot of people are like, <laughs> I watched Saltburn with my parents and they freaked out and it was fun or whatever. But, uh, uh yeah, but I hope I am so, a parent who can yeah. watch this sort of movie with my kid in the future. I think I'm just trying to realize when that they're 35, not. No, seven. Yeah, when she's yeah. fourteen, she can watch this movie if she wants to. Not this year, but I, th I just, I think that the idea, also, and maybe I keep going back to this notion, is like this is a lady making a movie, and there's no rule that says a lady can't make a a smutty cum movie just as much as anybody else, and this is her angle on it, and I like that. I like the. The, I like the the sexual flexibility in this, which is unfortunately always associated with evil people. <laughs> I don't love that part of it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, oh, passage, is he is he, he yeah. kind of evil? He probably has sex with both men and women. <laughs> exactly. Passage. I saw passages, and I saw um, all of the strangers and liked gay people, and I saw Saltburn, and now I'm afraid of them again. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That. All right. Well, I think that's the conclusion of our review. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, t t can I can I can I mention a dang movie here? Can I mention one movie? Yeah. Um, I mean, go uh, go. Uh, please. Uh, no, no. It's on the on the on the point of Saltburn being, I think, a tone tonally at times nasty sort of uh, uh, a comedy. A movie that I think uh, w worked for me and plays with tonal elements of melodrama was May December. May December. I, I, I full disclosure. I know the writers of this movie a little bit. Uh, uh, Sammy Birch is a all right. Well, then I have nothing to say about it. It was great. 
uh, uh, and Alex Mechanic. Uh, the, the, I, I really like this movie. I think it's the best Todd Haynes movie uh, in, in two decades, probably since Safe. I think it's just worth bringing up, I think, in, it almost in reference or in contrast for me to Saltburn, because May December is playing with these... It's playing a little bit with melodrama. It's playing a little bit with being a parody of a TV movie. It's playing a little bit with empathy for the characters, but also ridicule of the characters. And it's a very sophisticated tone. And when I say when I say it's a sophisticated movie, I don't mean it's about a sophisticated subject matter. It's not Oppenheimer's about a sophisticated subject matter. May December is more of a. You mean science? Yes. There's not enough science in here. Made of Made of uh, to me was a. It reminded me of like when I was a kid and I saw Robert Altman movies, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, you can be a little bit mean, but also understanding of the characters, and also satirical, and and it's and it can kind of all coexist in one movie and sort of effortlessly balance." And I thought that Made of I, I I really really uh, like Made of December for that. Uh, for well, that. I don't think I don't think that the the guy. The uh, I mean, May December is essentially based on Mary Kay Letourneau. And what yeah. if that person and there was the adult uh, boy who she had raped, I guess, mm-hmm. is the proper term for it. Yeah. Uh, and then had children with and then he's raising them. And in this in this version of the story, he's now an adult. His kids are about to all be done with high school and he's still 13, essentially. And there's some very heartbreaking sorts of I mean I think that it, you watch this and you watch the Iron Claw and I think they're interesting depictions of how abuse can it doesn't look necessarily like oh you're currently being abused it's that your totally, brain is yeah. molded around the idea that this is normal and if you have a brain that's molded around the idea that this is normal I'm sorry it's going to take and it, it, I don't know. I don't know how to save you. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to save you. And that's the most tragic thing. And what's this actor's name? I, I had it and then I forgot it. Charles Melton. I mean, fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like so good. Yeah. So good in this movie. Yeah. And everyone's talking scene. about Julianne Moore. And I'm like, no, this guy is, I mean, what he has to do is play a child in an adult body, really, the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are elements of the story that are just like, this is, you're so nailing how to write a screenplay. But then I'm like, it's Todd Haynes. This is, this is the style of filmmaking where you have the elements of the story and they're lined up. And then, uh, but man, that turn at the end, that very oh my last God. bit. I've yeah, talked to a few people yeah. about that because they're like, hey, I just wanted to check with you. Is that supposed to be the way that it is at the end of the movie? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Oh, you <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, well, without spoiling yeah. it, it's a bit. Uh, we well, see the movie that yeah, she's and you're like, been, what? You're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. Been, she's been uh, talking to this family for the purposes of making this movie. And then we see the actual movie. But probably the best line in the movie uh is she's looking she's uh, natalie parman is looking at the who they're trying to cast as the young boy and she's looking at these videos of tiny little boys mm-hmm. who are children and she's talking on the phone with the director of the movie and she said i don't think any of these i don't think of these guys you're sending me are, are sexy enough yeah and he says i think you need to come home <laughs> like that's hilarious 
yeah. it is. Yeah. I mean, it's a to me, it's is as dark comedy. I mean, I, I it just felt it felt to me like a like coming home or something to an older style of American Ooh. independent movie where you're like, oh, there's 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 dark jokes. There's it can all you can have like you're saying this sort of nuanced portrayal of an of a, of a, of an arrested abused uh character in the same movie with uh with uh, jokes like that or the, the, well, we're, out, we're out of hot dogs you know that 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 zoom into we're out of hot dogs and the the cue the big melodramatic cue you know i mean yeah. these tonal <laughs> shifts that are that are that are just balanced and cake and is so important in this movie it's, her, a, yeah. it's yeah it's a very get her, she gets her cake can her order canceled and she yeah. can't get out of bed because she's so depressed i mean uh, uh like i think yeah. it works especially well if you if you like me grew up on these movies from the 50s and 60s about you know like domestic drama and most of them were kind of bad but it was like how rigid that universe was how totally rigid that was yeah. what what a woman was was like absolutely not meanwhile all these guys are having sex with each other behind the scenes because it's hollywood and all these women are having affairs and like all the all the stuff that's in the movies now was happening it's just they were making in front of the camera these movies that were like, oh, I I made you pot roast or something. And that I, I think that's what Todd Haynes is interested in is yeah. like what what elements from those stories can, you know, the acknowledgement of some of that stuff being brought into the front of the frame. Um, yeah. Which in the past, cool. like uh, like like and I like Far From Heaven as a movie, but in Carol and movies, sometimes it's almost like he's taking the, the Douglas Sirk thing that we love so much and sort of just, <laughs> just deconstructing it and saying, Oh, here's what the movie's actually about. It's actually about a gay yeah. guy. And that, uh, uh, this is more May December is more like, Oh, uh, Darvarian, I guess, uh, in that it's a contemporary, uh, treatment of the salacious subject matter, incorporating those strains of, of great Hollywood melodrama. Yeah, but having the victim at the center uh, be a, a tall, handsome man really does feel very Cirque in a way because there's there's some of that sort of uh, in the um, uh, Rock Hudson. Oh, yeah. In Rock Hudson performances, yeah. sometimes the, like in Douglas or movies, there is something of like a like a fragility beneath the strapping man. A hundred percent of parts that, that, uh, that yeah. Rock Hudson could have played. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh. God, that would be crazy. Well, he will. With AI, he will. <laughs> um, another film I wanted to mention uh, only because it has stuck with me, and we did we did a full episode on this, uh, but it is, it is now stuck with me and remains one of my favorite movies of the year is, is uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Yes. Um, which I think, um, in thinking of ju about just what I wanted to bring back up about the movie, is uh, really the performance of Rachel McAdams, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, coming of age story, and there's a lot of scenes with kids hanging out, and it's a, it's a comedy. But there's a scene in this movie uh, where Rachel McAdams is explaining her relationship with her husband and her parents, and how her parents have effectively disowned her uh, because she married a, a Jewish man, Benny Safdie. Um, <laughs> yeah, and because she married. 
Benny Safdie. <laughs> because she married Benny. You're disowned, Benny Safdie. <laughs> yeah. From uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah. From, from, we all know him from Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, this is one of the scenes that I, that I look back on with the most fondness of this year as this tenderness of, uh, between her, the, the uh, daughter Margaret here is played by Abby Ryder Forson. But I think it's it's exactly the same as Andrew Scott. It's like you're looking at somebody who's like she her heart is breaking, yeah. not for herself, but that she has to tell her child this. Yeah, that's There's why a... it's it's just so gorgeous because it's like oh yeah, all the stuff that you have to tell your kids is just murder, and it's it's not sadness for yourself anymore. There's a line she says, I, "I if I, they my parents told me if I wanted to marry this man, I wouldn't be their daughter anymore." And and her daughter looks at her and says, "But you are their daughter." Yeah, and it's this this point of absurdity and contra- this this strange absurd contradiction that she has to explain to her daughter. And her daughter is well loved. She has loved her daughter properly, so her daughter can't compute this right rejection. Yeah. She doesn't get it. So she gets up and she hugs she, her mom. Yeah, and she mit- and that that also is its own kind of tragedy is like the things that you maybe can correct, they also divide you from your kids. So they don't understand the things they don't they're not they don't really understand what you're talking about, hopefully, in that scene where she's like, well, and then my parents could just cut me off because I married a Jewish guy. Her daughter is like, I can't conceive of anything I could do that would make that happen. Yep. Yeah. And that, you know, and ex- having to explain that is sad. But then also being like, wow, like there's a level at which this well cared for kid is never actually going to understand me. Mm. Yeah. Which is great. Because she's not the dad from Iron Claw. <laughs> exactly. <It's not> the <laughs> I just think that movie is the more I think about it, I'm like, and the movie deals a lot too with religion and with, with this kid kind of learning about religion and not in some sort of stare at a tree type way and, and, and learn about spirituality. It's religion as it really embodies itself, which is our family arguments and do believe in God and don't believe in God and you're and, and good experiences in church and synagogue and bad experiences. And I think a movie like this is really necessary. It gives young people, I wish every young person could see it because it helps give you a path you well, need to know that the, the emotional path so. has been yeah. forged. But yeah. the people have gone down this path before, and here's a little bit of the lay of the land. You know, like here's some of the pressures you're going to encounter in adolescence, and it's and don't worry, it's been done. It's been done. You know, um, and I and I I I feel bad that kids maybe don't have engaged with this kind of art. Uh, maybe some do. Well, I think the book Uh, is incredibly important to a lot of people. I didn't read it as a kid because it had God in it. (laughs) (laughs) And then actually seeing this movie and reading about the book, not the actual book, which I should read. uh, I was like, oh, it's not it's not a like a religious tome. It's about a kid. But I mean, it's um, about it's about how I mean, uh, it's truly all it takes is your dad at some point saying there is no God or your dad saying, if you don't believe in God, you're going to hell. That's going to that that <laughs> colors your thought on that subject matter for the rest of your life. You can attain a different frame sure, of mind, but, but you're but, always going to have that as your baseline thought about about God. Right. But I, I do think that if you if you grow up not believing in God, believing in God is 
really hard. If you yeah. grow up believing in God and then you're like, actually, I don't think that's real. You're probably never going to stop having to talk about it and deal with the doubt. Mm-hmm. At least in my experience of talking to people. It's I very, have so much doubt. Well, just I think it's it's it's, doubt? it's easier. <laughs> when he just screamed, I have so much doubt. <laughs> Wait, was that Seinfeld? Was in that movie? <laughs> it's Meryl Streep. She goes, I have so many doubts. <laughs> I know, but it really sounds like Seinfeld. Uh, another movie that I really, truly loved, so just smiling ear to ear the whole movie, was You Hurt My Feelings. Yeah. So great. I mean, also to go back to Succession, you got some, <laughs> you got some Succession guy in there. Uh, Arian uh, Moyad, Moyad yeah. uh, who's who's playing a completely different character than Stewie. Yeah, not a Stewie at all. Like I don't think he's a Stewie, but just just a delightful depiction of the idea that a small story is enough of a story. You yeah. don't need lots of stuff. I think most of these movies that I really liked, they take one thing. And then the movie's about that. They're not you know, about yeah, like, and I think that's maybe my difficulty with maybe with Oppenheimer or something is like take give me a day, give me a day of soul searching, and I'll watch that movie. Uh, you know, I had the same exact thought in reflecting on these movies. I was like, I was like, I had it about um uh, passages and and a, a few of these movies, and 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 certainly you hurt my feelings. Is just like if you look at, for instance, the great films of all time. Like if you like if you watch Sunrise by Murnau, it's just about a guy that like has a wife and wants to fuck this other woman and he has to figure out what to do. <laughs> like it's it's relatively simple. And I think we've sometimes forgotten that, that like a very simple story about a marriage or in the case of You Hurt My Feelings, it's just a very simple story about a woman that yeah, feels... Yeah, her feelings get hurt. It's her right feelings there get hurt by her husband. Yeah. That's enough for a movie. That is yeah. enough for a for a 100-minute movie. Don't worry. Like. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, worry if you don't... Uh, if you're not interested in, in people. Because mm-hmm. I think you, ha- if you're going to have a small story, it has to be about the intimacy of being a human being with other human beings. Yeah. If you're not willing to go there because the reason you wouldn't be willing to go there is because it involves you. You have to have, you have to admit that you have a take on what people are like. If you're going to write people. Yeah. And, and whole of center, you have to right? unless, unless it's like, unless it's a boner, even a boner comedy, what are you getting a boner about? That's admitting something about you. And the characters all have to have attitudes and they have to have, you know, what I like about Hall of Center and I've, and and I've, I mean, in a way it's not a hot button movie to, to dissect and discuss because it's just another good Hall of Center movie. And we've all seen good Hall of Center movies, but to me, it's again, her empathy for these characters she has empathy for every single one of her characters and honestly the the director she reminds me the most of is like john renoir when you watch those movies you you go wow they have all these characters there some of the movies are close to 100 years old and you go everyone seems alive in the movies and there's no real bad guy in the movies you know they're just they're just these very humanistic dramas and that's what what you hurt my feelings is is another is yet another nicole holof center movie that i Mm -hmm. think is just her just her approach to I don't know what she's like in person uh, or to work with, but her her approach in art is just so 
gentle but aren't all and, these under, movies, and understanding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Understanding of the, the, the difficulty, like the breaking point is not, are they going to get divorced? Is, is she going to be, uh, is, is one of them going to be sleeping on the couch? Yeah. Why? That is enough. And I think all of the movies that I was talking about, that I brought up anyway, they're all movies where there's no bad guy that I really enjoyed because they don't, because it's like bad guys are nonsense. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that not, I mean, in certain kinds of movies, they're not like, it's great. If you have a, a really good bad guy, we got to go get him. He's done the bad thing. He stole from the bank or something. But if it's a human kind of drama, having a bad guy, I think it sucks all the energy towards the bad guy. Well, it requires a kind of um, simplification, you know. Yeah, because then it's like, oh well, if they if they're beaten, if they realize they're wrong, then everything is fixed. Yeah, and that's just not the case. Like, if the dad in Iron Claw was like, oh wait, maybe there's a connection between my relentless pressure and <laughs> inability to be kind to my children and them all killing themselves. Hold on, maybe I'm the problem. That wouldn't fix them. Yeah. Really? Yeah. One more movie that I that I was uh, very into was uh, A Fire, which had its premiere on um, Criterion Collection. Uh, Christian Pezold, uh, the director of Phoenix, and um, a bunch of really well-regarded German movies. Like, yeah. seems to be somebody who's quite famous, quite successful, and I was basically unaware of until I saw that movie. But uh, really, like, I think an excellent movie about being an artist and just like, get out of your own. You're not the topic. <laughs> a fire topic. is such a uh, it, it's uh, coming on the hills of uh, something like you hurt my feelings. I would say it's a comparable uh, in its approach. The thing about a fire that's I, I recommend going in blind to a fire, because when you the, in the very first scene of the movie, I just assumed these were going to be supporting characters or something to a larger story. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you watch the film, it, t- it takes a few minutes, but you realize, oh, no, the movie's about this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about yeah. these couple of guys. Uh, well, because he doesn't look like the star of a movie. No. He doesn't. No. He looks like my friend's boyfriend. Yeah. He totally looks like my friend's boyfriend. There's an element in this movie that's not a spoiler of any kind, but you can see just a tiny bit of a tattoo on his chest in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. And we never see it. Yeah. And I'm like, I really like he goes to the beach. He goes all these locations where he could easily take his shirt off, but he doesn't take his shirt off. And I th- I think like as a as sort of like, you know, the gun in act one, it's like there's something about <laughs> doing that. This it's like you I probably a real tattoo. I I don't know. It doesn't matter if it's a real tattoo. But there's something about the thinking of small things that in real life would matter to you. Yeah. You'd be like, what is that? What is that? Is that a sun? <laughs> what do you what is so gigantic that's tattooed on, on your peck? What is it that I would want to know? And then the, the movie is like, this guy is revealing nothing about himself the whole movie. It's like that's kind of a great little thing to have in there. And he's just uh he's just sucking all the joy out of everybody (laughs) yeah it's such a it's such a a, uh, it's such an odd and surprising movie it's almost like you took one of those 
And I know, of course, you're going to love a fire because it has people uh, eating outside. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, in, my God. It also <laughs> has people eating out. And probably the kindest depiction of the nicest editor ever. A book editor. Yeah. 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 Remember yeah. how I said, like, I love any time where there's a book publisher scene? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, someone who just sincerely loves books and wants to help. Yeah, it's uh, those. I mean, uh, the, all these scenes kind of taking place at, an, at a, a house in the country. I've seen a thousand European films like this where it's attractive people, you know, <laughs> kind of getting into little affairs and everything. And what a fire does remarkably is it's kind of about a character that's not fucking anybody. He's no. not really at the center. It's almost like he's he is really the uh, a writer. It's really like a movie about right. a writer who's separated and, and more observing the action of yeah, the of the attractive ridiculous. characters <laughs> and being ridiculous and self-absorbed about it and a little jealous or whatever. But yeah, but instead of participating, you know, he's he's like, oh, I have I have my plan. I'm writing my book that has nothing to do with me, really. And then we are able to and it, it's a rare one where what he ultimately writes when it's read aloud at the end of the movie. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good i would read that book yeah there's some pressure on on what that what the end of that the is the what's the movie he's writing or the, he's writing a, a book club the, the other one is club it's in german and so they're like what is the name of your book in german and then he says club sandwich and then the girl is just like club sandwich and he's like clap sandwich like i love that they know how to how to sound annoying in English. That's such an interesting, like how good at English everyone obviously is. Yeah. yeah. And we would be like, I don't, I don't get the nuance. We speak one language. Um, yeah. A fire, a fire rules. It's, it's, I, I will admit it's a little slow. If you're watching, if you're pulling it up on criterion channel and you're in 30 minutes go by and you're like, nothing's really happening. Just hold out because it goes into directions that you're you will never expect you yeah uh, and, it, and, you I, and it's another movie that has this kind of like i, I think this was a, a recurrent movies and it a recurrent thing in a bunch of movies i saw this year that's treating sexuality as just like i don't know it's just sort of that one and then that one and like not like <gasps> and then the moment occurs where you tell everyone your secret it's very it's just like well i was dating this person now i'm dating this person yeah and i really i'm like if clearly politically in america that is not the attitude but i love that it exists in some movies in europe it makes me the way ahead out there the way ahead out there <sighs> Yeah, in attitude, because everything is happening everywhere. All at once. But I know you have to talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. Well, that's a, that's the last big one I have on this list here. It's for me. It's the it was uh you know Killers of the Flower Moon. We we saw this movie together and um. Yeah. At what nine a.m. Nine a.m. We saw it at a very early. <laughs> Perfect time full of coffee. to watch a three and a half hour <laughs> yeah. uh, movie. I, I've since I since went back and and, and saw it again. Um, in the in the theater. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. I went actually. I did the opposite. I went with our with our, our friend and uh, previous guest uh, Danny Jelinek to see it at like ten thirty at night. So I've seen it both Oof. really early in the morning and super I'm late at night. Tired both directions. Uh, I mean, there's not uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is a difficult movie to talk about because it's a lot has already been written and said about it. Um, I think that it's it's obviously like Scorsese taking on this uh, true crime story, essentially of um, the murder of uh, Osage. Uh, uh, members of the Osage Nation um, over uh, oil money and oil rights um, and wrestling. Rights. I don't think I now I know head rights. Yeah. Head yeah. rights is like that might be the phrase of 2023 for movies is head rights. They got the head rights. She's got the head rights. They got the head yeah. rights. Um, but, but wrestling with it. I mean, I think, I think wrestling with the approach. What do you cho- focus on? Do you focus on the FBI investigation? Do you focus on? And ultimately, he. You know, I think the part of the movie that's sticking with a lot of people is this coda at the end where they jump, you know, you watch this whole thing for three and a half hours. And then in the very last scene, they jump forward into a, a, a radio true crime cre- recreation, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and this is always in a way it's kind of like Scorsese almost almost saying like, yeah, we're adding a lot of bells and whistles and Hollywood uh, bullshit, you know, to this uh, to this story. But ultimately, this is a movie about murder you know, uh, and about a genocide, you know, of, uh, of a people. And thinking back on the movie, the most effective scenes are, it's almost like a post-apocalyptic movie. It's about what it means to have your people wiped out, but you're still alive and you're still, you still have to go on. Uh, it's a very, very, it's a downer. It's a downer. Well, um, one of the things that struck me, because at the screening, Scar says he was actually there and he was talking about, the descendants of the couple depicted in the movie, the DiCaprio and uh, Lily. Lily Gladstone? Gladstone, yeah. I was like, I know it's a restaurant in Santa Monica. (laughs) 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 I was like, which, yeah, anyway. And the thing that he said, talking about the the descendants of the people in the movie is that um, one of the women stood up and was like, well, my parents did, my grandparents did love each other. And uh, I don't know. I think that just goes back into some of the other stuff that we've been talking about with, you know, May, December or the iron claw or the way that you can have an ex uh, you got to make the story work somehow. And I'm not going to tell someone your grandparents didn't love each other. But it, it's a tricky story because it is depicting a, a, a murderer sympathetically that mm-hmm. actually he was just sort of in conflict and he was only sort he was he wasn't murdering his wife. He was just murdering her whole family because his uncle told him to. Because he's stupid. It's sort of an odd way of putting the story, I guess. Unless you're trying to get at some greater idea about like the the ruinous nature of America, uh, the the murder of people and the murder of land and the destruction of America by Americans. It's really just because they're dumb. If that's the point you're trying to make, then I guess that does... That is a good protagonist to have in the story. I think that by putting Leonardo DiCaprio in the center of that, 
he's basically aligning you with him as the protagonist of the movie. You know, the movie could have easily been about an FBI, a, a well-meaning FBI agent going up against an evil, the evil Robert De Niro Hale character, and then that's the movie. He aligns you with the guy who is under pressure and committing an evil and um, the banal, a, a very banal evil in a way. But it's not. He's zone of interest. Actually, uh, he's like he's actively murdering all of his in-laws. Yeah. That seems like that's it's so much murdering. And and I guess in the book, which I read a long time ago, but I don't remember, it is more about the founding of the FBI, but also the extent of this the the scamming Osage out of their money. It was because they were regarded by the American government as not having the capacity to take care of their own money. So they had these these like caretakers who would steal tons of money from them. So that was happening while there was also murdering going on. It's just, a, it's, I guess um, my biggest question in the movie that I didn't feel was answered, but I didn't watch it a second time was why are these women so attracted to these white guys yeah that was <laughs> that is a question <laughs> i don't know because he's the not to. it's like he's not uh we sort of leave out osage men except for the the one guy who's i i don't remember the actor's name but is a, a great performance of a very very sad man who is sort of oh the depressed uh yeah character yeah yeah but why i guess i guess i mm, I felt conflicted about the movie because I was like, I get that you can't make this movie from the perspective of the Osage because then you can't make it. But why are we so, why are we so sympathetic to DiCaprio? Why, why do we see, why is he depicted as being somebody who's like, well, I'm murdering everyone, but I draw the line at murdering my wife. I actually don't really draw the line at murdering my wife. I just, kind of bad at it i think that that's that's where you know he found uh, the core uh, a core of drama in the movie the movie that the movie that the killers of the flower moon is the most like is a uh, the Ilya kazan movie wild river which i saw not long ago which is a, about montgomery cliff is uh, plays a guy from the tennessee valley authority um trying to get Joe Van Fleet to this old woman off of her land. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guarantee you that Scorsese saw Wild River and probably said, I mm -hmm. want to do a movie like Wild River and, and, and located that as the core of the thing of like, okay, let me get, let me make a, a conflicted Montgomery Cliff kind of character. He found the essence of, I think of the, of the most compelling drama, whether or not it is the, whether or not politically, or historically, it is the right approach, or, or the most uh, the most resonant approach is, is I think is is up for debate, and I and I understand the conflict of it. But I think, as we've been saying about a lot of these movies, about what appealed to me is the, is the ambiguity of it, and is the conflict of it, and and like you're saying with Iron Claw and and uh, some of the other films this year, can love and abuse uh, exist under the same uh, roof? I yes. think that yeah, you of know. course they can't, but that yeah. doesn't make it that doesn't make it not abuse. And I don't think the movie really treats him like an abuser. It's like he's just weak. He's just weak. He's just weak like every 3 minutes while he's making the plans. 
And I guess maybe in a, uh, I think I, I don't think it's even politically. It's like, if you're going to tell a story about a bunch of people being murdered, then the way to go about it in American stories is we, we, we follow the law enforcement and the killer. Even mm -hmm. when there's like a mass shooting or something, it's like the killer, the killer, the killer, the victims sad, but the killer, let's talk about the killer. The focus is so much on the killer. To me, it would have been more interesting to be like, you're you're worried about this woman the whole movie. The focus is not on the killer. It's on who's going to be murdered next. I mean, that that seems like it would be a perfectly perfectly good drama to be like, what, what machinations are happening over here that are putting mm -hmm. these people in jeopardy. But instead, we don't really see them. We see them sort of as inevitable victims, especially her sister who's drunk, who gets murdered. There's mm -hmm. an inevitability to their murder that's like, I think it dampens the horror of it, that it's not inevitable. It's actually not inevitable. Like, it's inevitable in America that Native Americans are going to be treated like shit. But it's not inevitable in some, like, spiritual sense. But, you know, but I, I uh, thinking back on the movie, I, I had this thought about about the inevitable. Uh, uh, I had this thought uh, about the film, about about Native American genocide, essentially. And I think Kills of the Flower Moon does a good job at saying, no, wait a minute. This isn't inevitable. This isn't a the, the, the genocide. Even the word genocide feels like an event of the past. It always feels like, oh, isn't it sad that genocide happened? Well, we're moving on. Well, I don't think and, this and is truly moon. genocide, though, because they're not killing them because they are Osage. But, they, but, but, these, but the, Osage are, the Osage in the movie are th essentially survivors of an overall Native American oh, genocide, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. As, just yeah. as Jews are survivors of a, of a genocide or Armenians or anyone walking around who's Armenian is a survivor of a, gen of a genocide. Yeah. Um, Wait, uh, you're going to go with that? You're going to go with that because Obama did? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Yes. But um, yes. but but there's a scene. Yeah, there's a I mean, scene I think this, that's fair. Yeah. But then we're coming to the yeah. we're we're coming to this moment, and I think just listening to Scorsese talk, there were obviously a bunch of different versions of this movie, and he acknowledged, well, this one Apple liked, and this one Apple didn't like, and I had yeah. to talk to them about that. So I realized that in all versions of this movie, Leonardo DiCaprio is the star of the movie. And there is no version of this movie that gets made that's where he's not the star. Yeah. I understand Lily Gladstone, not the star, never going to be the star. But I suppose that the repetitiveness of DiCaprio is dumb as rocks and he just does what everyone says to him. To me, I was like, well, are you making a point about Trump? Are you making a point about America? What larger point are you making here that makes this enduring so much killing and slaughtering and following a dumb murderous jerk why am i doing this what am i getting out of this that's a deeper of deeper significance the only part in it that i thought had deeper significance is he's like wait do you think there's going to be a miracle those don't happen anymore that line i was like mm -hmm. okay yeah that's great yes yes what and more <laughs> like <laughs> what, how is the movie supporting that thesis because that's an amazing idea love it
Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, I mean, look, we could do three and a half hours, I'm sure, just on Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, and uh, it's a thought provoking movie. It's a movie that I will continue to revisit. I'm not convinced that it is a flawless movie. And I'm not even convinced that it's the best potential version of that story. But uh, as a movie that weaves a, a compelling character study relationship uh, with this vast historical backdrop, I think it is a it's a definitely a movie to be reckoned with. Um, yeah, and I do think it's interesting at the end of the movie that Scorsese says goodbye. I think there's a there's an uh, acknowledgement of maybe like this at any point this could be the last movie. Yeah, um, which is part of why I find it a weird one to make. Honestly, <laughs> I'm like this is very far away from something that you personally understand. Maybe uh, not personally understand, but he's but he made essentially a western, and I think westerns yeah. are the are the the uh, westerns are as close westerns and maybe musicals are as close as from if that if you were growing up in that generation, John Ford is yeah. or Howard well, I grew Hawks up in that generation. Is, exactly, you grew up in that generation. <laughs> you, that's a movie. Red River, that's a, you know, so that's Red a movie. River. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think I mean uh, going back to sort of like talking about Todd Haynes and. Douglas Sirk and stuff. I think that you there there is sort of underlying there there's subtext sometimes in in stories that when you make it explicit, it actually makes it too specific to that instance. Mm -hmm. And I think westerns have the have these sort of like operatic sometimes scenarios that are there where the the underlying things that are happening are not so specific that you can't translate them to yourself somehow or some concept of america some idea of like what even is america and i think right now there's doubt about well what is america because the people who are claiming america the most the ones who are have a flat like why is it that i stand outside my daughter's school and i see the kids taking the flag down at the end of the day and i go i don't like that i don't like the flag mm-hmm um, do you think Betsy Ross did a bad job? Is that what you're saying? No, I just um, think it's yeah. like, where where are we as a country that there are, you know, the nice liberals are like, oh, I don't know about America. And then there's another group of people who are like, yes, we have to protect it. And th this movie coming out in the midst of this moment feels very strange that it doesn't kind of discuss that or i'm not seeing uh, I, I, I think that. i think it do, i think killers of the flower moon uh, it does discuss it i think killers of the flower moon is about i mean i think you know there's a you know obama put out his list of his favorite uh, films of the year and it includes such a scintillating uh, movies as uh, air and blackberry um but uh one that he <laughs> one that he, how did we not talk about that? <laughs> I saw Blackberry. It's pretty good, but but this is the, uh -huh. this is almost him. I think I, 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 my my interpretation of his list was almost like, oh, you like success stories, Killers of the Flower Moon. Is that a wasn't story, on his list. It's not on his list, and it's a move because it's, and and I don't know why. Maybe he just didn't like it for the same reasons you're you're saying you you were conflicted about it or something. But I felt that it's a movie that you leave off because it's not about the greatness of america it's about how america is built on on the on the blood of innocence you know uh it's 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 the american zone of interest i mean it's a very very well then where uh, are the people who are not murdering anybody like where's the rest of the town then i guess i just there was there was just a way about it where i'm like i feel like we're 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 eddying in the same pool 
Mm-hmm. Give me give me more something because I'm with this couple and he's awful. Why am I watching another movie about an awful guy who sometimes thinks good thoughts? I don't know. I think some of it is just like a generosity towards a, a great filmmaker who has made great films and has the ability to direct these films and has an ability to stage this enormous production. But the movie itself just isn't very good, I don't think. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, what do I have to hold on to besides that line? What do you think is going to be a miracle? Man, you like anymore? Saltburn and not Killers of the Flower Moon. Because I think one of them is like, is like, it's all burning down. Just do what you need to do. <laughs> and I think that's not true. That's definitely not true. Don't do whatever you need to do. Think, think and be aware of other people. But there's something to argue with in it. You heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> this is a... Uh... This is a shock. This is actually a shocker on 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 our. But you know, it's actually th- th- this this makes the episode. I think that this would be a rather boring episode if we didn't have no, at least two I massive so. disagreements he- in the in the course of the uh, in the course of uh, discussing the year. Yeah, well, we shall see. Else? History shall you know see. History will shall see. H- but history I've... will will pr- will prove which which of these stories endure. I think I, 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 would, I would ask you this question, which is not an indication of anybody being right or wrong mm. at all. This is just an interesting question to me because we're all individual people. We all have our own experience, blah, 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 blah. I talked to maybe six different women about this movie mm-hmm. and they were all irritated by it. And they were all <laughs> like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And all ladies who like movies. So I was kind of like, I wonder if there's something about this, the staging of it is like this Mm -hmm. movie is about is about this lady and then it isn't really about this lady. This sort of like a little bit of a bait and switch to a lady audience. I, I, yeah, I know. I I think that's possible. I think it's possible that it's that the woman at the center of the movie is not um, is not uh, given enough of a voice or is not um i think that's totally possible it's also possible that uh, that women are dumb women are dumber than men and, and uh... well they all said they loved saltburn and it's their favorite movie <laughs> no i don't know i mean I, yeah we, we could this is uh this is not a uh, a debate well, we, that we're going to soon we ag- settle we agree but... on napoleon's fucked up relationship is wonderful yeah. <laughs> Before we wrap up, uh, I do want to discuss uh, the, the, just in the new to me category um, mm, things you saw mm-hmm. this year. Um, we're, we're going over here, movie, but I, I, movie, movies that you that you that you watched and thought were good. Yeah, on, on the whole, your great your great film watching experiences of twenty twenty three. What did you What did you have that you would you'd be like? You guys, you got to see this. It was new to me. Well, I think for me, it was. It's I'm really thinking more in terms of moments because I'm trying to think of life more in terms of moments like yeah maybe you didn't have a great wednesday but there was this one thing that happened and trying to keep more track of that both both as a person and as an artist is like those little things are what i think infuse art with the the human is like we're, we're we're just giant filters of things and what we particularly filter is how we're seeing the world and i think that's how how all of these really good movies are filtering the world in a particular way. 
They're, nobody's wrong. <laughs> Everybody's right. It's like, that's how you see the world. Yeah. But one of them that I thought was really interesting was this uh, Charles Boyer movie, History is Made at Night, which I talked about. Um, and it starts out as this, this woman who's married to this truly horrifically bad man who's very rich and uh, gets sort of rescued by this uh, head waiter. It's very important that he's a he's a head waiter. Movies most, used to be about different things. I tell you, it's like you're talking the about the most important head waiter of uh, in Paris. Like that's he. It's like I can't in the movie. It's like it's not totally clear if that's cool or not. It seems like it isn't really that cool. But um, so then they they fall in love, and you know it's like what are we gonna do? How are we gonna? This movie is from 1937, by the way. And it's uh, Gene Arthur, who has the best voice of all time. Love Gene um, Arthur. Yeah, Gene Arthur, best voice. Uh, from uh, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. So she's in this movie. They're, they're like, they have this drama, which resolves itself. Uh, but uh, there's a boat crash. And they, they're like, oh, this is the worst boat crash since Titanic. And this is made in 1937. So this is like within living memory for everyone watching this movie. Yeah. And... The people on the boat are screaming and freaking out. And it's like, I got chills looking at it because I was like, this movie started out as a romantic comedy, essentially, uh, where like the stakes are pretty high for her because of her murderous husband, whatever. But when you get right down to it, the, the, like the camera is on these faces of like people being terrified and people like pushing and shoving and like grabbing children and running. And I was like, God, and this movie's made in 1937. Like this is a moment in history that's like, it's such an incredible thing about film is like that moment is is all now forever as long mm -hmm. as the film stock exists. But it was, it's, and then they're like, wait, I never got to know you. Tell me about yourself. Who are you? And they're having this moment on this sinking ship. It's like, oh, my God, after this movie that I thought was just light and airy, I'm suddenly feeling really intense about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great trick, like really, really worth worth watching. So like just the very, very end of the movie, I thought was uh, just surprisingly um, not modern is the wrong word, but it was very... Uh, it, it's it it didn't have that sort of like polite kiss on the cheek sort of romantic. It was, it's a very like body romance mm -hmm. at the end. I still I have not seen Mysteries Made at Night, and now I'm now I gotta see gotta it. Now it I'm out. very I'm, I've 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 resolved this year to to kind of explore uh, more movies of the 1930s in particular because almost every time I see a film from the 1930s, I'm very pleasantly surprised. Um, uh, by by uh, modern is not the right necessarily. Uh, I think modern is, is, is though because they it were kind like, of is the right. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're going in this direction, and then World War Two and Nazis trying to kill everyone who's interesting, and then uh, the the war, and then it's like oh, housewives. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I swear I, I've had this experience. I mean, actually, one of my one of my great revelatory uh, uh, watches. Yeah. Yes, in America, yeah. Uh, a German film is a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not thinking about that. Uh, a movie that I that I had a, a a movie from the 30s. I had a very shocked reaction to watching this year was Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Um, yes, uh, with yes. Um, Frederick March, uh, Ruben Mamoulian's uh, version of the movie, and it's a it's it's 
I think it's the modernness of it. It's you tend to think of these early sound movies as being very staid and crusty, and and uh, uh, this movie has kind of very expressive camera work and very kind of wild and woolly performances. And uh, mm-hmm. that was that to me was a movie that 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 made me really excited, and uh, uh, it felt more alive than movies that are made this year. Yeah. And so I think that's yeah. a that's a lesson. I mean, to take into into future film viewing is like a yeah, you can have these incredible experiences watching uh, movies that are now approaching a hundred years old. Well, I think because underlying this is like everyone is new. Everyone, yeah. every single one is new. If you make it personal and specific, you don't know if no one's going to care for 50 years, but they yeah. may someday care. And that's true of all art. It's like you make it for yourself. You make the truest thing you can make for yourself. And then the reaction to it, you don't control. What they think it means, you don't control. I might be talking about Martin Scorsese and what he meant. And he's like, that's not what I meant. But it doesn't make anybody wrong. Yeah. Because you release it. It's not yours anymore. That's why it's also a little bit, it's, it's, I've been getting philosophical about this thing of like, of like, how do you discuss movies from the past year? Because in reality, it, it will take decades to figure out what any of these movies are and and you, when you see a great film like this year the, I, I noted it as the as maybe the best film watching experience i had was watching il sorpasso which we mm-hmm. discussed uh, over the summer for in the summer abroad series and it's just the, uh, it's just the feeling of just watching a movie that feels so vital and alive and funny and the movie's now oh god what is it 80 uh, no 60 years old Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the same feeling watching a, a, a movie by Monty Hellman, uh, Two Lane Blacktop, which is another um, r- kind of road movie, and meeting this character played by Warren Oates in the movie. And the character is as alive and just emblematic of a certain kind of <laughs> insecure man. It felt like I was meeting a real person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, and it's almost 50. That movie's probably over 50 years old in the 71, I think. Um, it just takes a long time, I guess, to process these uh, Well, I don't uh, think, movies, I disagree. Because I think you are also changing as mm-hmm. you are traveling through time. So how you, like watching Two Lovers again, the James Gray movie, I was like, oh, I'm looking at Gwyneth Paltrow and she's lying in bed and she's like, I want you to stay with me and sit with me, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. And what I saw, I was like, oh, that looks like my kid asking me like saying don't leave Mm -hmm. and this little soft face saying that and i was like well first time i watched that she didn't exist my my impression of how good of a performance this is is partially now based on like oh that seems like somebody who's scared and sleepy and (laughs) doesn't want you to leave the room and turn the lights out Mm -hmm. and what my image of what that is is different than it was when i saw that movie first Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not really like, oh, I'm coming to some understanding. It's that my understanding is ever evolving. I'm always reevaluating things, which is why it's dangerous to go back and watch a movie you love. <laughs> because sometimes you're like, oh, wait, this is bad. <laughs> well, sometimes they're built for, but I don't think they're necessarily, I don't think that's a movie being bad. I think sometimes movies are built for one watch or they're built for air, a certain air, like, era. Yeah. yeah. 
that was a great date. I will never yeah. see him again. <laughs> exactly. Air, air, air right now. I, I would say that's one of my favorites of 2023. In 10 years, I, if I were, were to go back and look at a big list of 2023, I'm sure something will replace air. Like the example I always use is from 2007. I saw the movie Zodiac. We saw the movie Zodiac. Yeah. I, yeah. I like Zodiac. Yeah. It took it took about five years for me to realize, oh, no, Zodiac's major. It's not mm-hmm. just a good thriller. It's like, no, that <laughs> this movie. Is where it, you, we, we could tell you live, grew up in Southern California. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> major? Yeah, it was major. That movie, but I, but yeah, for, I, I was freaking it, stoked when I realized yeah, how good that movie was. It was gnarly. No, no but sometimes it just take, it just, sometimes we'll just take time, you know. For, yes, for, I to, think you know, totally. Yeah. And I think that it's, some of that is just like, you see the movies in between and you're just like, oh, that that one wasn't as good as blank that I didn't respect because it came out a year where it wasn't as good as something else. Yeah. So it's what it's bumping up against that you start to be like, wait a minute, I think that was actually pretty good. One movie that I will talk about that is not a great movie, but is so deeply fun. It's called <laughs> No Way Out. It is a Kevin Costner movie. And... A, a Gene Hackman movie. It's it's like a like a murder plot and a cover up, and Will Patton is in it. And it's uh it's the kind of movie that doesn't get made in the style that it is made anymore. And Kevin Costner, honestly, no one's gonna agree with me on this, but I think this is his best performance. <laughs> Because he's not rigid. He's always yeah. acting so well and correctly. And in this one, he's just kind of running around wearing white. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I would hang out with this guy. I would not hang out with the postman. I like uh, this guy's fun. And then there's a twist at the end that will make you clap and laugh at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> watch it just, just amazingly watch it. i've not seen no way out of it despite uh, uh, loving all those okay actors. so watch yeah. it and then tell me on the next episode what you i think you're gonna really enjoy it it's so fun it's like salt burn fun <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, great. no way out. That's a good, uh, that, uh, makes it, is there any, any others from the year? Cause otherwise I'll, I'll, we can find our, our way out of this episode. Oh, well, um, I mean, they had on Criterion, it was this, the, uh, Robert Sidomack, uh, retrospective. Oh, that's Criterion. right. You got, you got big into those. Criss yeah. Cross. I mean, again, watching Criss Cross is so good. And the end of that movie is, I mean, sort of like history is made at night. It's like, if you can legitimately be heartbreaking in an old movie, what I've seen so many old movies is is tough, and this one, the end of it is is very memorable imagery. Well, like probably the the best example of an old movie that can really make me cry is uh, Imitation of Life. Mm. It's like we're all over Cirque on this show. All over Cirque. We should just well, make it this a Cirque <laughs> podcast. I don't even I know what that, we're doing that, talking like, about imi- other movies. Imitation of Life is a, is a, is an odd one because it's not subtext it's not like well actually what we're getting at is this it's like no this is a movie made a long time ago that's very that is directly addressing some uh bullshit yeah (laughs) yeah what it's doing um anyway yeah but watch uh, robert sidemack if you can find his movies i think a lot of these movies from the 30s are so good because they're actually made by really interesting directors who had to leave europe Wait, Criss Cross is in the 30s, so that's 50s, right? 
Yeah, but yeah. he would he but a lot of these people from the like from the 30s on the reason why they were in the United They're, States making uh, movies here is just because they had to escape. Um yeah, the um uh, yeah, uh Germany I mean, I, and the Holocaust is what I'm uh, suggesting Germany that's what I'm talking Holocaust. about. Um, <laughs> yeah. Two movies I'll mention um just because they were they were a revelatory first time watches for me. This is going to sound silly, but The Hidden Fortress by Akira Kurosawa. Oh. I'd never seen this movie. It's not you Star al- Wars. You always hear about it in reference to Star <laughs> yeah. Wars. Yeah. And, and so you're watching it and I'm like, yeah, there's some Star Wars in it. But also <laughs> it's just one of those movies that I swear if you're if you're a director or you care about uh, whatever, even if you're just a film watcher, this movie completely reset my idea of how to block a movie. Like sometimes mm. a, a Kurosawa is one of those directors that can just do it. You just watch it and you go, man. In the Star Wars stuff is al- is almost incidental. It doesn't even it's, forget about yeah, Star yeah, Wars. It has just, nothing to do with it. It truly doesn't have anything to do. Just with it. watch yeah. the Hidden Fortress yeah. and learn how to block a scene for once in your life. And then the other was an, a Dennis Hopper movie called Out of the Blue. Hmm. Um, out of the blue with a Linda Manns, uh, uh, now deceased Linda, Linda Manns, who's also the star of Days of Heaven. Um, but God, what a oh, what a yes, exciting yes. and um. Un, God, just deeply unpleasant, but also just really exciting film out of the blue is. Um, uh, he directed it? He, di- he directed it and, and stars with her in it. But talk about just some really present uh, acting. And it's and it's Hopper who, you know, I ha- uh, he can be, he can try <laughs> the patience sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, but out of the blue is probably his masterpiece. I love it more than Easy Rider or anything else he ever made. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's another one of those guys who started out with a certain acting style and then it got sort of winnowed away to just crazy because he just got cast as crazy too many times. I hey, mean. you know, and he's good. And Speed, you know, he's good. <laughs> yes. His greatest role, of course, was that of Speed. Speed guy. Speed murderer. Um, yeah. Well, we covered a lot of movies in a lot of time, but still not as much time. As Killers of the Flower Moon exactly. or Oppenheimer. We're, we're coming in a whole like hour shorter than Killers of the Flower Moon. You know Moon. what else? We didn't talk about Barbie and we're not going to because we have an episode about that. Yeah, I think I think maybe the headline is that, I mean, I think people will, listening might go, uh, uh, if they've made it this far in, they may go, what about Barbie? What about Oppenheimer? What about Poor Things? What about... I didn't see Poor Things because I'm afraid of... Uh, because she's a baby. She's like a giant baby. I don't think you would like it for that reason. I think that it's a, a very thematically sticky movie. And also, I didn't like it that much. That's why it didn't come up. Maestro. Uh, Talked about it already. We an episode on that. Uh, what I'm saying is that most of the things, if we didn't talk about it, uh, and it's a major release, we probably didn't think it was necessary to talk about. Well, you know, I do think it's necessary to talk about the Mario movie. <laughs> <laughs> Because I did see that. <laughs> yeah, but I just, uh, it's just like if we omitted it, uh, unless it's a unless it's a real small film, there's a few, I mean, obviously we're not professional critics that are watching everything, so we don't. Um, no, we, and we also um, full acknowledgement that almost every single one of these movies is a massive American release. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of small <laughs> films that will take us months and years to discover, but um, I think we did pretty yeah. well for like a 2023 just a couple of people talking about movies from the air. Yeah. 
Should we do a whole episode arguing about Saltburn and Killers of the Flower Moon? I kind of feel like Saltburn. <laughs> what I took away from this is I think Saltburn's a full episode. We should find a guest who wants to talk about it, and we should probably do a Killers of the Flower Moon retrospective. Maybe not now, but at some point when we've had some distance from the movie. Um, but like, Saltburn, Saltburn, we might need to get on like, like immediately. No, 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 because what I'm saying is it isn't timeless. I'm saying it's just a, it's just a, it's just like, it's a it's a lottery winning fantasy with murder in it. Yeah, and I and I and I get it. I just think that maybe maybe it's hard when you've come. It's hard to keep them on the farm once you've seen like talented Mr. Ripley and the American Friend or just the superior versions of this story. I guess like uh, of this. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, yeah. I see Max Minghella all the time, and every time I see him, I want to be like, I love your dad's movie. <laughs> But it feels inappropriate. So I, I, I just think here's the thing. I think that I think that Talented Mr. Ripley is so good. I think the Saltburn is drafting off that goodwill, which is totally fine. It's to, it's totally fine. But just but but let's acknowledge what the what the actually good movie is here, which is to the Talented Mr. Ripley. Both things can be true. <laughs> they can both be true. I don't. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, all all yeah. Of the, all of these things can exist at once. Sometimes you don't want to watch a movie about a bunch of people having a barbecue next to a concentration camp. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do want to you watch. You want to someone. watch Ferrari. You what? Well, what what the hell is going on in that movie? You we want to, to watch Wonka? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. You want to watch Wonka? But I just I think that there there's a time and a place. You know, it's like. There's a time and a place, and not every movie is everything. A hundred, a hundred percent. And 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 Saltburn is as distasteful as I find it. I I'm I'm ex I'm excited that people like it. I think you know that that that's that's great that there's a movie like Saltburn and it's kind of a a cause célèbre. Um, my French is. Uh, I terrible. will say, 2023 but, um, most amount of cum eaten in movies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what other movies? <laughs> Well, this you'll have to think about it, figure out who it is, because okay. I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. It's Wonka. Uh, oh, but oh there, no. there was a few moments where I was like, yeah, I mean, it, it's a thing that happens. Why not depict it in movies? Why hey, not? it's about time. Why not? It's Saltburn depicts the existence of cum and periods. I, fair. They yeah. exist. Also, bathtubs. Is that what bothered you? <laughs> You're jealous of the bathtub. <laughs> honestly, the honestly, bath water is grosser to me than cum. Like if it was just if it was. Oh my god, you gotta make this the the little promo. <laughs> I know this will be the thing, but like, God, this is so disgusting to even parse. But like, like the idea of like, oh, I'm I'm I have cum in my mouth is like that's okay, that's fine. It's more just drain that bath water and the the the, the drain. It's like oh, the drain is gross. Right. The drain, you know. Anyway. Yeah, well... <sighs> okay, well, this has uh, been uh, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a shot glass. Uh, yeah. Fine. Bathtub water. Pass. But a shot club... Yeah, anyway. You you, you can do a lot of like, what about this scenario? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would yeah. rather drink bathtub cum than be, uh, have everyone in my family murdered for money. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so in that um one movie's easier to watch than another. Mm -hmm. But um You know, movie right. I kinda like no hard feelings. All right, now I'm just going now I'm just looking mm -hmm. at a list of the movies. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Well Yeah, so if you if you were gonna say 
favorite movie I'm taking from 2023. I know I'm going to watch it again. I know I love this movie. One movie. Go. <sighs> okay. Can I can I do more than one, or does it have to be one? I just think that that, that there's different. You're packing up. Yeah, carry on. You only have room for one movie. <laughs> if I'm gonna, if I if I only get to ever watch one of these again, it's Killers of the Flower Moon, with okay. great with great with great knowing that under certain circumstances, a movie like Past Lives might even be more impactful to me. And 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 are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Uh, I, ha I have a very strong sense of appreciation for all three of those movies in different ways. Mm. Yeah, like but, but, depends but, on where you're traveling. You might need to exactly. Take a different but, but Killers area. of the Flower Moon is the one that I is the one that I I probably will, I'm going to revisit the most. And 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 what about you? Oh, Fast uh, Lives, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, I think that's clear. <laughs> no, that's the one because I it makes me feel like maybe there's hope for. Me. Maybe there's hope for me as an artist. It makes me feel like there's a some someone's doing something that I really believe in, and that if there's room for them, there's room for me. I I agree. I I mean, um, Celine Song is the most exciting filmmaker I think I've seen emerge in a long time. Can't wait to see her next uh, yeah. movie. Uh, Past Lives is I think that in it overall. The Mama Needs a Movie recommendation of the year is Past Lives. If you're a harried running around out there, you're maybe you're a parent, maybe you're not, maybe you're whatever. You don't have a lot of time to watch movies. But if you, we can only recommend one on this show. It's Past Lives. That's kind of the probably the winner of but the beware. year. But beware. Yeah. If you watch it with someone, you might realize... You don't need to be with them anymore. Good, but hey, if it ends up, if, if if past life ends a loveless marriage, good. <laughs> Ryan's true plan for everything. Well, maybe that's killer the flower moon. It's a loveful marriage that's going to end through murder. Exactly. I'd much rather have the past life scenario. But it still if you ends. go, wait a minute, I'm with this guy, and why am I with him? And you know, what mm -hmm. is what is my mm -hmm. life? Mm -hmm. um, well, anyway, this was a great year for movies. And uh, yeah, I read some books. I listened to a lot of music, but we won't talk about that because uh, this is all movies. Movies, movies, all this the time. Is a mo This is a movie thing. Uh, uh, maybe uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll cover some books and TV and other things. Oh, we did cover TV. I did. We'll, the Bear, I, the bear I Succession. I talked about The Bear. I talked about The Bear and the great acting in Succession. Oh, you know what else I liked? <sighs> I forget it. I, I think uh, we didn't mention any documentaries. And I didn't actually see a ton of documentaries. The most of the documentaries I saw this year were, were bad, but I, we both, I know, loved all the beauty and the bloodshed, which is technically that was this year though. I thought that was that last was technically year. a last year movie, but most yeah. people really didn't see it until 2023, and I think yeah. that bears mentioning just as like one of the best. Yes, uh, uh, absolutely, and that's one of the movies where, like, uh, past lives, I try to get people to watch it. Yeah. Anytime there's even a vague opening to watch it. I don't I even I don't think we, we've it. even mentioned it on the show. And I think just if we're talking about Oh no, about, we definitely have. Have we? We definitely have, yeah. I just yeah. think in terms of like if you want like a, a a couple of mama needs a movie recommendations, past lives, all the beauty and the bloodshed, the this is the kind of stuff that we're we're well, trying Well, I think to both do. of those movies are like if you are yourself an artist, and I believe everyone has the capacity to be an artist, because you have feelings. Uh those I think are inspiring in terms of saying like, no matter who you are, there is a way that you can express yourself, especially 
the depiction of the AIDS crisis and the artists who were working during the AIDS crisis, incredible stuff. Yeah. Just, just incredible. The, the ability of art to leave a lasting impression, to say something, to create social change without being about the thing you're trying to do just by its existence, just by, just by taking the steps to make it. Um, you can really do some great stuff without any facial prosthetics also. <laughs> like, like, like who, as opposed to who? Oh, Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it all comes back to Maestro. It all comes back to Maestro. Number one movie of the year, Maestro. Yes. Uh, if you want to follow Mama Needs a Movie, go over to Mama Needs a Movie Pod on Instagram, Mama Pod on uh, X or Twitter. Do you uh, want to a... just switch it to threads? Oh, I guess we should just do threads. Yeah. I think we're going to start p- posting the threads. We might be phasing out uh, uh, X, uh, Twitter uh, in the new year here. We're going to uh, rev back up our Patreon which is called attention must be paid calling attention to smaller films uh, we got a, i feel like we have a list as long as uh, the day yeah. of uh, of of, of uh, interesting small underseen films that we want to discuss and uh, uh, go on over to patreon and uh, listen to us talk there yeah thanks for listening and you know get out there make a movie Let's get out there make everyone can you know honestly you can you can make them on your phone now yeah, I mean, send it to me. I'm happy to watch. If you have a movie you made, I'll watch it. Yeah, that's nothing like uh, nothing like seeing a good movie to feel, make you feel encouraged that you can do it. Mm-hmm. All right, happy 2024. Bye.